Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast reviewing one or two new release titles every episode with an occasional free-for-all segment at the end that we call Potpourri. You can find more of our work, including written reviews and the complete backlog of our episodes at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you'd like to support us and get access to hundreds of exclusive episodes, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where you can get access, uh, uh, get access for at that is wrong uh get access to uh one of our monthly tier levels geez i needed to proofread that uh <laughs> where you can join at one of our monthly tier levels for exclusive content there we go or you can buy individual collections a la carte in the patreon shop section again that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer this week on the patreon i am posting my sixth award season potpourri uh patreon potpourri episode which is a full length episode in which i review four movies i've watched for award season uh this next episode is going to cover my thoughts on next goal wins john wick chapter four the zone of interest and past lives so see that on patreon soon um and then i'm also a little bit delayed on starting my full dark no stars reviews for uh stephen king's full dark no stars but i will be posting my review of 1922 the novella soon so once again you can sign up at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for all that and a bunch more content. Um, I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, which includes Letterboxd at the username obsessive viewer and on TikTok at OV podcasts. And in our feature review this week, we'll be reviewing Sam Esmail's new film, Leave the World Behind, which is currently streaming on Netflix. And then we will have a secondary review later in the show in which we will be reviewing John Woo's latest movie, Silent Night, which opened in theaters on December 1st. In addition to that, we'll also be discussing the 2023 IFGA Award nominees that were just announced today as of this recording. But of course, before we do any of that, let me introduce this week's guests. Uh, Joining me tonight are my friends and IFGA colleagues and return guests to the Obsessive Viewer, Andy Carr and Joe Shearer. Um, Andy's written reviews can be found at filmyap.substack.com with contributing pieces at midwestfilmjournal.com as well. He's also the host of the Odd Trilogies podcast in which he and his co-host Logan tackle three movies every ep that share some connective tissue, whether it be thematic or cast or crew specific. You can also find him on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash dandable, which is like mandible, but with a D. (laughs) And uh, Joe Shearer, his work can be found on MidwestFilmJournal.com as well. He's also frequently featured on the Medium Cool Movie Podcast. And coming up soon, he'll be heard on Film Sociology with fellow IFJA member Matt Sosi to review The Iron Claw. And he can also be found on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Joe R. Shearer. Now, now that I have just vomited all of those words out in a quick succession, welcome back to the show, Andy and Joe. How have you guys been? And thank you for joining me tonight. 
Thank you for having us. Great to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Always fun to come on and talk to you. Yes, it is always fun to bug you guys into committing uh, <laughs> a, a large chunk of your evening to chatting with me. I personally look forward to the messages where you're like, okay, who wants to be on this? And then it's like a grand bag. It's like, I'll be on that one and that one. Yeah, yeah. I always, I always get mad because I, I miss it. And then it's like an hour in and I'm like, it's, oh, four people have already volunteered. I was like, why can't I be on there too? It's so funny to me how you guys have that perspective on it, where whereas my perspective is like, okay, how am I going to, I'm going to type this out. Okay. How? Okay. 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 I'm just going to send it, send it. And then if I don't hear anything, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I'll just do a sol- It's fine. Um, you feel like you're badgering us? Kind yeah. of. Not at all. Good. Good. Well, I am going to definitely, uh, keep doing that. Um, but no, it's funny cause I like, this is a spoiler for the end of the episode, but next week on the show, I'm going to be reviewing poor things in salt burn with Mitch. Um, and it's funny because he saved me from uh, my planned episode in which I was going to review Wonka. Um, was not very much looking forward to that, but he messaged me and was like, hey, I have been dying to talk about poor things. Can I please come on the show? I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, so we're going to be doing that next week. And then, yeah. yeah so, well, it's, so it's always, to me, it's always like, I always look at it like, you know, you're what you're asking me to do what we do every day anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, <laughs> It's like, oh, no, not that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, today on the show, we're going to be reviewing Leave the World Behind and Silent Night. I did forget to mention this up top, but uh, the podcast, all of the Obsessive Viewer podcasts, so Obsessive Viewer, Tower Junkies, and Anthology are now available to listen to on YouTube and YouTube Music. Um, so basically I just put the podcast on YouTube. It's just, it's just a video, like the video component of that is just the background of like the, uh, the cover art for the episodes and everything. But, uh, just another way for you guys to find the podcast. Um, if you, uh, want to subscribe to the, uh, YouTube channel, basically it'll just alert you whenever a podcast is posted. So, uh, feel free to do that. I'll put links in the show notes and everything, but, um, but very excited about that because YouTube is big and people Google things on YouTube more than Google. So (laughs) hopefully, uh, people find us. So yeah. Um, okay. So shall we, uh, kind of commence with the episode? Do you guys want to talk about the, the nominations? Um, yeah. Um, so today, uh, well, actually let me, let me backtrack a little bit and give a spotlight to our friends at Midwest Film Journal. Um, as I said last week, um, the current essay series on Midwest Film Journal is all about Samuel L. Jackson. Um, it's the Hold On to Your Butts essay series, which I, I like, I'm I, not to toot my own horn, but I think I coined that or I suggested that. <laughs> uh, and I was very proud of that. Um, but my, my review uh, posts on December 22nd, it's about Unbreakable. Are you guys contributing anything to that or have it, has it posted? Like where, where are you guys at with the yeah, Hold On to Your Butts series? Got- I have two of them. My first one was nice. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, I know that I think that one posted already. I need to, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I need to look. Um, and then I'm also doing, um, let's see what I'm doing, Jackie Brown. Oh, nice. I was, I, and I, and if I, again, I'll, if, if we're, if the theme is tooting our own horn, mm-hmm. um, I am exceedingly <laughs> proud of both of these. 
Um, nice. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel there's sometimes when I write things. Um, and yes, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance posted on December 6th. Um, nice. And, you know, I like I said, I, I often write reviews or write essays mm-hmm. or pieces about movies. And, and it's kind of a slog to get through them. Um, but for both of those, I was, you know, they, I was exceedingly proud of, of what I did on both of them. So, um, you know, check, nice. check it out, um, check them out on uh, Midwest film journal and, and let me know if, if you think I had reason to be proud of them or if, you know, <laughs> I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> no, I'm sure that it's, it's great writing. I'm very excited to read the, uh, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance one. I love that movie so much. Yeah. And, and watching it, you know, watching it again with a few years perspective, mm. you know, it's, it's a movie I've seen many times, but, you know, kind of watching and thinking about what I was going to write about it, it, it went off in directions that I didn't really think it would go on, you know, go in. And, and yeah. I was, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm so happy with it is, um, you know, is that and, and also stay tuned for my Jackie Brown uh, essay where nice. I call it a better film than Pulp Fiction. So, oh, interesting. Ooh, uh, <laughs> wow. Hot take. <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, you know what? Maybe it is. Uh, and I was, the more I watched it, I was like, man, this movie is so good and nobody talks about it. Everybody talks about damn Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Much I, love yeah. it. I was like, you know um, what? This is better. Screw it. It's better than Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so so nice. I said it. So um, yeah. Um, you actually are in good company. My co-host over at Odd Trilogy's Logan, um, Jackie Brown is his favorite Tarantino movie. Oh so, wow, nice, yeah, yeah. very so, nice. I, I, might, I might say that. I, yeah, I might say that as well. It's, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's severely underrated at, at the very least. Like people don't talk about. It. And I remember it was hardly a, a box office hit. Like it was, right. I think it was modestly successful. Uh, and I and I remember going. I remember seeing it in the theater, and then seeing the box office and i was like man that movie was a lot better than whatever it made its opening weekend six million mm-hmm. or nine million or something oh, crazy yeah and i was mm-hmm. like it's a way better movie than that and then you know and then time has been very good to it i think it just oh, kind of yeah. keeps it better yeah it's it's a good one I, I like it a lot it's one that grew on me because i kind of discovered quentin tarantino when i was in high school and it was like oh pulp fiction is the greatest and then jackie brown was like oh this is weird this isn't what i w- was expecting yeah, um, yeah. It, it doesn't have the same quirkiness, but right? It, it, but it has its own quirkiness too. So, yeah. And 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 Samuel L. Jackson is just the glue of that movie. And his and I I go it goes so far into his character, like I couldn't even believe the things like I was thinking about as I was watching that movie. I was just nice. like, oh yes, like you can see. And then and also I guess um, the character that he and Robert De Niro played in that were also in another movie that came out several years later. There was a younger oh, version wow. of them. Um, Mose Def played Ordell Roby, and I can't remember who played Louis Gara um, in that. Wow, but I, I, I can't remember now. But it was this, I think Jennifer Aniston was in that movie. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but anyway, Elmore Leonard is is a damn genius, mm-hmm. you know, rest his soul. Um, and you know, he's the author of the of Rum Punch, which you know Jackie Brown is based on. Mm-hmm. Also, Out of Sight and Three Ten to You, a million movies and a million great books. Yeah. I interviewed him once years ago. Spoke nice. to him on the phone for about twenty five minutes, and it was fantastic. <laughs> we talked a lot about Justified, which oh, at the time nice. I'd never even I'd never watched. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but since I watched, you know, quite a bit of it and enjoyed it. But, nice. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, you can find Joe's work at MidwestFilmJournal.com. And again, follow him on Letterboxd at Letterboxd.com slash Joe R. Shearer. And Andy, what do you have on the docket? Are you are you contributing anything to the Sam Jackson series on Midwest Film Journal? Um, 
No, I'll go ahead and toot oh. my own shortcoming there. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I was going to be, I was going to write a piece on um, the Star Wars prequels about mm. his turn at, as uh, Mace Windu, but just been busy these last couple of weeks and opted opted out of it. But Evan Dossie wrote a wonderful piece on that mm. exact topic for the series. So definitely go check that out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Next thing I've got coming out is our Odd Trilogies episode on the A Christmas Story sequels. There oh, are three nice. sequels to the original A Christmas Story, um, most of which I would guess few people have heard of and even fewer have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent one was like just last year, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, a Christmas Story sequel or, or A Christmas Story Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we'll be talking about those. And uh, then I think my next review is Rebel Moon, the oh, new Zack nice. Snyder movie. So we'll <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> that should be... That should be... So let's talk about the IFGA nominations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, it should be something. <laughs> it it should be. I, I'm like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, but yeah. So so the IFJ we uh, announced our nominees today. We're going to be uh, announcing the winners on this coming Monday, um, the eighteenth. So I'll have basically what my plan is is that Monday when the uh, winners are unveiled on Patreon, I'm going to have a full episode that, that's just me talking about the winners and everything, and then the end of the year I'm going to have an episode of Obsessive Viewer where uh, we run down the IFJ 10 best films of 2023. We did that last year and I think the year before. Very excited about it as like an, kind of a new tradition, I guess. Um but that's all to come. But let's talk about the nominees. Um what did you guys uh what were you guys excited about uh getting getting the nomination or making the cut and uh, why do we have 20, 20 best film nominees? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's something that we do every year. We, yeah. you know, we, uh, of course, you guys know, but maybe mm. listeners don't know that yeah. our process is a little different than some. Um, to be clear, I'm being facetious to the listener. Like, yes, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we just get a lot of flack from from people online. <laughs> yes, we get lots. Of, yeah, as a matter of fact, even today we had people comment. <laughs> people saying oh they just nominated everything and it's like well <laughs> we just nominate a lot and then yeah. the winners are you know are few, much fewer mm-hmm. so right um yeah it, it's just we we have a, a more open and as we've said we used to call it a more transparent process mm-hmm. um where we kind of you know all of our members throw in and then we we do you know now we're doing a new system this year right with the yeah. where we are you know we kind of are endorsing films that we want to support uh, is a nominee and um you know there are certain like thresholds like point thresholds and things mm-hmm. um and you know this is where we're at so but you know we will have as usual we'll have a final top 10 a best film and mm-hmm. a runner up and then we'll have uh winners in the uh, you know individual winners and a runner up in in each category each subsequent category yeah. um as usual so it it doesn't mean anything other than we have a little more of a wide open process at the outset. Yeah. So Joe, it sounds like at the end of the day, we're going to have about the same number of winners <laughs> and honorees as everybody else. Uh, yeah. So it's funny, it's funny how that, how that works, works out. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Including, um, <laughs> including um, 
well, most, well, we have every year, and I hope to continue that tradition, including an actual physical trophy that we give yes. out for the, uh, the Ed Johnson Ott Hoosier Award, mm-hmm. um, which, which I am, have been in charge of, you know, getting the actual statue made every year. Um, so it's something I kind of, I, when I say I look forward to it, it's sort of a, a labor of love because mm-hmm. then it's a, pain in the ass most of the time but, <laughs> <laughs> but i like doing it and i like giving it away yeah um, i like awarding it to people and getting pictures of them with it so nice. uh, it's, it's you know it's been a um you know that that's one that you know has been has gone to people who are high profile and mm. people who are a little less high profile um sometimes but um always deserving and it's yeah. a, um it's a it's a special award and, and named after a special person too i yeah. don't know that, that either of you guys actually knew ed but i don't um, no i don't think i ever had the pleasure i met him once i had a conversation once but i never personally knew him he was he was an absolutely fantastic guy and um he he's he's one of those people that you'd say you know he's somebody i kind of want to be like and that he's Mm -hmm. when i first started he'd already when i first started doing reviews in the mid-2000s he'd already been going for years and years i'd read his stuff and uh and he's just the just the warmest nicest guy and uh uh, it's it's kind of it's a, it's a distinct honor to to add his name to that. Um, oh yeah, he passed away a few years ago, um, and it's it's a great honor to have uh, have that named after him, and and hopefully, um, you know, like let a few people know uh, who are not from around here. Most of the people who are around here who've been in the the scene for a while know his name, yeah. um, and uh, for everyone else, hopefully, it just gives him a little bit of recognition, and, and he would be very proud of that too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have nice. a lot of great stories about Ed too, but we'll we'll have to share those at a different time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I remember the. I I don't think I ever really met him, but I do remember like the the morning when you know everyone was talking about his his passing and everything. I mm-hmm. like made a point. I set aside time to just go and read a bunch of his a bunch of his work and everything. So I definitely have a lot of uh, admiration for for his his body of work. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A great, great guy too. Just. Just like principled and unafraid, he, like courageous as can be. He all right. I'm going to tell the one story. Uh, one time, <laughs> there. So Ed Ed was was a gay man, and um, mm. just not that that is that's not germane to anything other than the story, um, which is that we were at a screening one time, and uh, there was a local radio personality who who was very well known and respected and liked. He's a nice a nice guy. But he's a radio guy and, you know, he's, you know, whatever. And he was having a conversation with someone. Um, and and these screenings, the screenings we, as we do them today are not the, like, party events they used to be. They used to, like, uh. giveaways and they'd, you know, have prizes. And, you know, radio people would come and, you know, do their shtick. And they'd broadcast hmm. whatever sometimes from the from the theater. Wow. Uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, this one local radio personality was there. And he very loudly was talking to someone and said, Oh, that's so gay. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the, you know, the, this is the, the early 2000s, maybe 2004, 2005, you know, timeframe when people were still saying that. Yeah. And Ed went right up, right on the spot. Like I watched it happen, like in real time, like walked right up to him and, and like addressed him by name and was like, listen, you were so much better than that. And, and he like, I, I mean, he, and he just like, chastised them for saying that and this was this was like when that when saying something is gay as like an insult was it was starting to wane Mm -hmm. you know people were stopping it but it was still going on and he just very like very matter-of-factly went right up to him and 
and just like in front of everyone and was like you were so much better than that and and the guy like stopped and he was like you know what you're right i apologize and i shouldn't have said that like right there on the spot and i was like that could have gone in many ways oh yeah <laughs> and and that's and, amazing like you know didn't give a fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of just kind of just like who he was and 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 also said it and just like it felt like your dad saying he was disappointed in you, mm. you know and so that that's kind of like my stereotype my prototypical i guess story of, yeah. about ed was just mm. sitting there watching him doing that because when it happened i was just kind of like oh boy yeah and then he, and then he just got right up there's another one that i i can't tell <laughs> yet, okay. but, uh, it's, it's much longer than that one but mm. um but it's but it's a very similar similarly themed story and it's a little maybe uh-huh. a little bit funnier but um yeah so anyway what, a great that's incredible what was what movie was the screening for <laughs> Um, I have no idea. I could not remember. <laughs> I'm thinking of the important details. Here. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I I don't recall what movie it was. Um, but um, yeah, it, Chuck it, and Larry. I mean, yeah, there there were dozens of them that we right. <laughs> Chuck and Larry. No, I know it wasn't that one because I didn't go to that one as a screening. But I I couldn't even begin to tell you what movie it was. Yeah, we did dozens. I mean, they were literally every week back then. Oh, Sometimes awesome. two or three a week. So. Um, it, yeah, wow. it, it would be hard to remember that one. Yeah. Well, the landscape has changed, but the IFJ has still nominated 20 movies for best picture. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're never going to stop. And we're never going right. to stop. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but yeah, but, uh, I don't, I don't intend for us to run down every category or anything. Just yeah. like, what are some movies that, uh, you guys were passionate about um stumping for and and excited that it got the nomination uh for any category um um i i was really happy with the the recognition that uh john wick chapter four got i've been kind of inside and outside of the ifj kind of been stumping that movie all year Mm -hmm. um just blew me away as a as a action master class and um we got it into best film uh chad stahelski for best director and then i think editing cinematography and choreography Um, Um, editing yes cinematography yes and uh uh, stunt movement choreography yeah 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 so just Um, i mean for a just all out action movie like not really like a I mean, it is a franchise movie, but it's not like a, you know, family adventure movie or a Marvel movie right. or anything. Yeah. Um, just an all out, you know, uh, balls to the wall action movie to get that kind of widespread recognition was <laughs> felt really special in the group. And, you know, I know that I harassed people to no end <laughs> to, to throw their support behind it, but it paid off. And here's me the included, thing, yeah. It, yeah. me included too, like it worked for me both because of you, yeah, both I, of you, because you were, I think the last two that I, yeah, I, like I know, know harangued. I if I remember correctly, Joe, you you hadn't seen any of the John Wick movies, and right. that, that remains the only one I've actually watched. Yeah, and I and I watched it last week. Yeah, yeah, and I I hadn't seen um a John Wick movie since the original in like 2015, so or mm-hmm. 2014. So it's been like nine years, and it's it's one of those things where the way my brain works, it's 
it sucks but like uh if like oh the fourth installment i need to see all like i need to see the other three like it's been it's been nine years since i've seen the first john wick so i need to rewatch john wick and then watch two and three Mm -hmm. um and then i'm just like well i'll do that eventually um because now we're like i need to watch as many things currently to to you know to for nominations and everything and so, like, with Andy, with you stumping for it, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and watch it. And I watched it, and my God, that was just mm-hmm. incredible. In- incredible. Like, yeah. like you said, wall-to-wall action, the set pieces were incredible. And, like, especially in a year where I went into this year, 2023, with the expectation that, oh, yeah, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is going to blow me blow me away. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be insane. And it was good, but it didn't blow me away or anything. And like yeah. I, like throughout the year I was just like, okay, well nothing's really nothing's really blowing my mind in on the action front, including the movie that we're going to do a secondary review on tonight, but <laughs> um but then John Wick just stole my heart. It was it yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. Well, it does a great job too. I mean, with you not watching the middle two entries, it does a great job of like, I mean, not that these are complex movies, but like right. really brings you up to speed and gets you oh, on yeah. its wavelength immediately. And it's like, as long as you're down for Keanu Reeves killing a bunch of people oh, yeah. to, you know, stay alive, then you're I, on board. I was really stupid proud of my tweet <laughs> that I, the tweet that I twatted. Um, <laughs> when I was watching it, that was like me being someone who hasn't seen, has only seen the first John Wick nine, nine years ago, watching John Wick chapter four, man, these people really take hotel management seriously. <laughs> um, uh, so I was very proud of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. well for me, um, the, the one I, I think I'll, I'll say my notable failure is, um, is air um, oh, I pushed yeah. on that quite a bit um not maybe not not you know with my words so much as just like adding it um to the list um we snuck a couple in ensemble acting viola davis has mm-hmm. his best supporting performance nominee um so um i i really love that movie i was kind of sad it didn't get a little more um but you know just just kind of i'm just like scrolling through the the list i'm um of course barbie is a favorite for me mm-hmm. um, which i saw it late um very late in the game um i'm happy blackberry is getting a little bit of attention because that was yeah. really good and very under the radar um poor things i was i i think i was one of the first people in our group to see it and i i nominated it mo- first for pretty much everything it's nominated for um but I'm, but I'm glad that it, you know, a lot of people uh, have seemed to like it. Um, <laughs> nominated when evil lurks as best foreign language film. Uh, yes. um, I, I don't know how much traction it's going to get, but I hope it gets some as, <laughs> you know, horror film. And I absolutely love it. Same, uh, same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, you know, there, there's, there's kind of a lot of things that kind of just are there that it's just fun to see. I, and I, I do like this. One of the things I like is our kind of left of center choices like John Wick and, yeah. um, and Bottoms is another one that we have nominated for a few things. Yes. Um, including choreography, which I, I'm, I'm yeah. very pleased with. That movie yes, is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially and, with that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else. I'm just kind of scrolling through. Uh, mm. across, of course, I'm I'm a big Marvel guy, so Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, even being a Sony, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. that was just such a great movie. 
um, I'm I'm kind of gearing up for the 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 backlash because we we sometimes do that. Um, I'll I'll always I'll certainly go back uh, now and look at, for example, um, we chose How to Train Your Dragon over Toy Story three mm. years ago, mm. and I and looking back, I'm like, you know, we were just being <laughs> contrarian because Toy Story <laughs> three was damn good, um, and you know, uh, How to Train Your Dragon was fine, but mm. uh, we we kind of have that weird thing with animation where we go against the popular choice and i think that's yeah. what this is going to be especially with a movie like robot dreams which is very good also yes um, uh yeah but, but i think across the spider-verse really is gonna i, I hope it's gonna um win a lot for us and mm -hmm. in, in different groups as well because it's it's so it's so damn good yeah uh, well so, yeah. And that that one too i mean across the spider-verse also more than any other animated nominee has gotten a lot of traction in meant several other categories yeah yeah which i always like seeing an animated film you know i think in our our group we're a little more open to that than a lot of groups a lot of groups mm -hmm. it feels like okay well we're we'll give the animated movies the animated nomination and kind of leave it at yeah. that um, yeah. and i like that we include them in all sorts of other stuff i mean boy and heron robot dreams mm -hmm. Susan May and Spider-Man are all in different categories too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's such a, it's such a good, uh, you know, it's such a great thing because animated films get, they, they just get short shrift and they're, and they're called yeah. kids movies and they're, you know, I, I've, I've, yeah. I've been saying for years, it's, it's always been one of my pet peeves when I would talk to someone about, a, about an animated movie. And um, I used to have to interview people, you know, and like get their opinions and whenever it was an animated movie, I was always just like, because ah, I always know the first thing that's going to come <laughs> yeah. out of their mouth is, oh, it was cute, you know? And I was like, every damn time. And I, so I finally just started saying, like, listen, you can't, you can't say cute to describe <laughs> and not use that word. Mm -hmm. Well, it was good for a kid's movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and animation is such a great, you know, it's such a great art form. Oh, you know, yeah. And, and it's, it, it just... You know, we I, I interviewed sorry, I'm gonna like keep name dropping. I, inter oh, I interviewed <laughs> Mamoru Oshi, who did Ghost in the Machine, Ghost in the Machine oh, wow. uh, um years ago. And um Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there we go. Sorry, yeah. uh, Ghost in the Machine is something different. Um I it was the sequel. I uh, the sequel <laughs> came out and and they were like, Oh, you want to interview him? And I was like, Well, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm not a particularly big anime fan, but mm. I watched it and I was like, Wow, that's amazing. Um, and he talked about how in Japan that the animation is not considered a kid's genre the way it is here. Right. And it, it was just like, and that, that always kind of just stuck with me, you know, and it's like, a, and there's, you know, internationally, it's not necessarily, you know, just like, oh, this is something we throw our children in front of to shut them up for a couple of hours. Right. right. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really like given its, its full weight. And, and I, I've always kind of tried to take that, you know, as, and take that to heart whenever I'm talking about a movie and not just say things like, Oh, your kids will love it. And you know, maybe you won't hate it. You know, it'll just be like, you know, I, I, I want to dig into it a little more and, yeah. and give it, give it its full respect because it's, it's very often, you know, tremendous way to tell a story. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's open to so many, just so much originality and yeah, mm -hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. So, uh, like, in terms of nominees that I'm excited about or that I'm excited to that got in, um, the aforementioned When Evil Lurks just 
so delighted that that's getting that that got any recognition in the in the group for uh, best foreign language that's awesome uh love the love for godzilla minus one which i just saw this past weekend um and just like it catapulted to the top of my top 10 list for tentatively (laughs) so um yeah dream scenario is another one that i'm glad uh got some traction um i feel like the holdovers is a movie that um is if not divisive within the group it's at least something that is not uh some people aren't too high on it (laughs) which is fine that's you know everyone's uh entitled to their wrong opinion no i'm kidding but um but no i like i loved the holdovers and i'm glad that it that it made the cut for our nominees uh in so many Mm -hmm. things especially dominic sessa for for breakout of the year i think he was phenomenal him and i'm also glad that marshawn lynch is on there uh just delightful and of course uh amon uh villani for the marvels um yeah she's just a treat oh absolutely Absolutely. Um, and then the final thing on the nominees I'm going to ask you guys is that we have a few days until we meet to vote, deliberate, all of that. Uh, fight. Or, or fight, yes. Duke it out. Um, what uh, what movies are you planning on cramming in before the meeting? Like, what are some, what are some ones that you haven't, uh, haven't oh, given yeah. your attention to? Um, while you guys are kind of thinking about that, I'll just throw out that I am woefully unprepared for documentary um (laughs) like i really need to just watch as many of them as i can um in particular i'm 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 uh eager to watch greener pastures and kokomo city i know has gotten a lot of love within the group so i'm very uh eager to see that the subject matter for lakota nation versus united states uh has piqued my interest so i'm gonna definitely check that out as well yeah um yeah what about you guys how about any blind spots that you're looking to uh open your eyes to i don't know how to segue into that <laughs> <laughs> greener pastures is one for me mm-hmm. um um i would like to watch um godzilla minus one if i can if i can get to the theater yeah um and yeah. um there's let's see there's there's a handful of movies uh, i haven't seen killers of the flower moon yet mm-hmm. that's another yeah. one that i'm gonna try to squeeze in um and and then but i and i think but i think most of them i think i, I feel like i've got a good enough grasp on most of them um i've i've seen most of these enough to have an opinion on them there's been a couple that i even started and i was just like yeah this is just not going to do it Mm -hmm. um but um let's see i'm just kind of scrolling through i think those are really the two that i'm really wanting to get to get worked in before um and and then there's a couple of them that maybe didn't quite make it um talk to me is one that i want to watch that i haven't seen yet that i'm you know I, i don't i don't I don't know. I thought it was, I thought we had it nominated for something, but I don't think so. It's, uh, I, I think it got, it got close. It, it got close. It, it got close in a couple of, in a couple of categories. Yeah. I kind of laughed, uh, a lot to myself because I put it up for like one of the, one of the categories and like for, for ever up until like the deadline, I was the sole person <laughs> to put it up for that. <laughs> Wait, which one? Uh, talk to me. Um, I, oh, think, yeah. I think I had it up for like cinematography or something. Um, yeah, okay. but yeah, I, I love that movie. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed yeah. that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I backed your nomination of talk to me for like original vision or something. I think so too. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, in terms of my kind of blind spots or things I want to cover before the meeting, um, 
I'm with you, Matt. A documentary is kind of my weakest category right now. Um, I've seen most of them, but I still need to see 20 Days in Mariupol, if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and um, Yeah, it's pronounced so, and, 20. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, Turn Every Page. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know anything about that one. Um, I've just seen it on the list for mm. the last you know several months and have been like oh i should get to that at some point but um yeah, yeah documentaries kind of consistently one i enjoy documentaries but this time of year it kind of gets hard to like cram those because it's a lot of information presented yeah. very matter effectively yeah um, so i really appreciate things like uh kokomo city which mm-hmm. like has a real distinct format and mm-hmm. attitude to it and it's like you know talking about like a subculture that you don't see uh, represented a lot in other other media um mm-hmm. but yeah so documentary is probably my big one I, I think honestly though the most heavily supported film in our whole field that i haven't seen is are you there god it's me margaret oh yeah and i gotta be honest i don't know that i'll get to that one um <laughs> it's you know I, i'm sure it's a perfectly well done movie it's mm-hmm. it's just i've everything i've read about it positive reviews and negative have just kind of indicated to me probably not for me yeah <laughs> um at most you know that that i might think it's fine and at this point in the year i'm kind of like past watching movies that i think will be fine <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watch it if it's gonna be good yeah that yeah. totally I, makes sense that's totally fair are you there god it's me margaret is one that i haven't seen either um but i do admit like it is it is like right up my alley like the, mm-hmm. those kind of like coming of age dramas like that are like things that I eat up. So I'm going to make time to see it. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to see it before the meeting, but yeah, um, I, I, that, that's yeah. one that I started watching and I got about, I don't know, halfway through it. And I was like, I kind of see what this is going to be, I think. Um, and it's not going to like, it's not, it's not going to be what it's not going to change my vote for any other thing. Sure. Yeah. I, I kind of just this and, you know, and unless, you know, people, get become outraged at us talking like this like you know un- understand we have i mean we literally had over a hundred movies sent to us and yeah but right. late this critics over every member doesn't watch every single movie right right i i admit i think i'm at like 117 movies that have been released this year yeah. that's, what I, that's what i've seen personally yeah and i've still not seen a lot of these i still got to watch i don't know maybe i watched about half of what was sent to us yeah um, mm-hmm. and you know and and if i'm you know uh, that's kind of the just the way that it works it's it's yeah. impossible for someone you know to to see everything that was made and um, yeah you know we have to kind of prioritize a little bit and so we have our ways of doing that and you know for us it's as we said stumping for things and mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't, you know yeah you know, well and i think i think that goes back a little bit to what we were saying earlier about the like kind of discourse whenever we release our awards is people are always like oh they guess they're nominating everything and it's like <laughs> if you had any idea how it's much seriously. we actually watched and didn't nominate <laughs> right yes. um, <laughs> yep you'd understand that this is an honor yes <laughs> yep <laughs> right uh yeah and kind of on that same note like i am like i'm i'm at like 93 movies that i've watched from this year of release yeah um and and that's a light year for me very light year for me um but 
like it, prioritizing movies to watch before the meeting like i'm obviously i'm gonna watch poor things uh tomorrow because mm-hmm. mitch and i are going to be reviewing it next week and we're actually recording this week um but um like there's like talking about economizing your time or or, or really prioritizing things and and having a time frame like i feel like i should watch bo is afraid i don't want to watch bo is afraid <laughs> but i feel like yeah. i should watch bo is afraid um but it's also three hours long and it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's three hours long and it's, um, it's a very specific type of movie that mm-hmm. like, and I, Matt, I don't want to oversay. I don't know you this well, but like <laughs> there are some people for which like, that's a movie that I would f- imagine being more like uncomfortable and upsetting than like rewarding like i have a a friend who i watched it with and he loves the movie but almost kind of like he like hate loves it he's like i hate what this movie (laughs) did to me but i'm amazed that it did that to me um kind of thing and yeah there's just i think there i um my wife i think should probably Mm -hmm. never never watch it um i think she's better off never watching it so it's just one of those movies that kind of ticks into certain things that are just not fun for everybody to <laughs> yeah. yeah that definitely and, piques my interest honestly yeah so. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. i know you i know you like the weird shit yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> well and you know you know how you know the, and this is the thing is like when people are like oh you're giving out awards and you should see everything and it's like right. well you know how you can watch maybe you can watch a movie trailer and go yes i'm not going to see that movie ever right that that applies to yeah. us too you know yeah. even you know, in, and that's not to say we're never surprised, but you know, there are certain movies that we can just kind of like see the trailer or hear descriptions and go, yeah, this is not a movie that I'm going to probably like enough. Right. Certainly not enough to consider seriously for an award. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but speaking of movies that we like, I can't transition into Make the review. Segue. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's move on to our featured review of the night, which is for Leave the World Behind, which is currently streaming on Netflix as of December 8th. Um, yeah. So, in, and just to kind of wrap up the nomination talk, the IFGA nominations came out today, of course. Link in the show notes to where you can find all the nominees. And the winners will be announced on Monday the 18th. And, uh, and if you're on Patreon on, uh, if you're a supporter on Patreon, you'll get access to me talking for probably a couple hours about the winners. <laughs> uh, so feel free to join at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, so guys, let's go into the featured review. Uh, like I said, leave the world behind. It's on Netflix. The, of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and then spoiler review. Once we move on to spoilers, I'll play a clip from the trailer. There's also timestamps in the show notes of the episode, which can be found in the podcast app you're listening you're listening to this on, or at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov four o six. Oh yes, four o six. Um, <laughs> so uh, the premise, according to IMDb, is a family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn uh, an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out. The their devices and two strangers appear at their door. Uh, director was Sam Esmail uh, of uh, Mr. Robot fame. Uh, writer was Sam Esmail based on the novel by Ruman Alam. Uh, 
And the cast includes Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, Mahala, and Kevin Bacon. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing any of that. Um, so <laughs> Apologies to Kevin Bacon. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this movie is a, an interesting kind of isolationist fear uh disaster kind of movie uh with a lot of mystery surrounding it um how did you guys feel about leave the world behind in non-spoilers yeah yeah it's i mean i thought it was it was a bit of a treat a delight for me i would even nice. say um an, an unexpected one i it's not one i had heard a whole lot about i mean obviously it's got a, a pretty big cast i mean julia roberts is as big as it gets and yeah um it's it's surprising to see her um in a in a movie like this but um it, it's also fun to see her you know step out of that comfort zone a little bit um and, and i assume this is something she wanted to do and uh it, it's a lot of fun but yeah ethan hawk and mahershal ali um kevin bacon in, in a smaller role but um yeah it, it's it, it's very good um and it's it's a movie that you know you these movies like this, what you would call a, I don't know, an apocalyptic kind of movie or a, an end of the world sort of thing. It, it can turn into a, you know, a, a big effects extravaganza or, you yeah. know, a Mad Max book of Eli kind of walking dead sort of thing. Um, or it can be something smaller like this, a little smaller in scale um, and, mm -hmm. and be just as effective. And it, it's um, I, I love movies like this for like world building. And, and it kind of occurred to me that, you know, this is a movie that, you know, with, with the kind of the revelations, it, it could be a series of movies. There could, this is something that yeah. could be 10 different movies. It could be its own little, you know, its own little universe. Uh, uh, not that we need another one of those necessarily, right. but you know, <laughs> but there's just that potential there because there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's obviously there are big things happening, but we see a very small slice of it. And uh, from a very specific perspective of, of a family or a couple of families, um, so it's, yeah, it, it was, it's a very interesting movie. It certainly is a worth a watch, um, yeah. uh, and, and is, uh, is something that is maybe not getting the attention it should get this year. I, I agree. Uh, Andy, how did you feel about leave the world behind? Uh, yeah, I, I had a blast with it. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of like, I, I almost want to liken it to a slower burn, larger ensemble, uh, 10 Cloverfield lane. Um, yeah. Where it's kind yeah. of like small perspective version of a giant disaster movie. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, you've got this stacked cast and everybody's great. And I love Ethan Hawke at anything. I will watch him in yeah. just about anything he shows up in and Mahershala Ali is always fun to watch and he's really great in this as like he's he's more mild man i mean he's always like a very kind of composed person or frequently a very composed person in yeah. movies but like here he felt very uh ordinary in a weird way um that i really liked he felt very kind of casual and, mm. and cool and yeah julia roberts was a lot of fun she's like super um kind of what i would call low-key racist the whole time yeah, and that's yeah. to watch <laughs> yes. yeah. see kind of this like you know uh typical sort of ignorant centrist white woman um yep and so yeah it's just a lot of fun character dynamics bouncing off each other and i will say as it as it neared the end i was kind of like is this really gonna like pay off all the 
tension that it's mm-hmm. built and all the all the conflicts between characters that it's established and it kind of doesn't yeah um, yeah but it but it ends on a note that i was that caught me so off guard and was so <laughs> funny coming from a streaming only netflix film um, <laughs> that i was like you know what i don't even care if like my questions were answered <laughs> yeah because that was kind of fucking awesome it, yeah. yeah yeah we'll talk about that in spoilers but i there it was it was such an an interesting um uh an interesting period at the end of the movie um at the end of the statement of the movie but mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's really interesting this movie kind of it didn't like blow me away it's not it's not going to make my top 10 or anything but yeah. it did impress me with the way that it handled the the characters um and in especially like Ethan Hawke, we we talked about him a little bit. He's he's great in everything. I love Ethan Hawke as well. Um, he is such a like goofy but grounded <laughs> character in this. Like it he's, is so, a, it's so he's interesting. Kind of a doofus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like that's the perfect word. Almost. Like yeah. Kind of an, like yeah. He's yeah, like he's a, a yeah. He's a doofus <laughs> who is. Like the way that he is count, like the way that he kind of counterbalances Julia Roberts more, like, like she's taken the mantle of being like, like realistically and logic. Well, she's she's fearful of what's going on, and then she also has the racism and everything. Um, and then Ethan Hawke is just like the the kind of guy that's like, he's just like, yeah, well, it's their house, like let them stay, like it's fine. <laughs> like it's just yeah, yeah. it's he's just so like goofy it's 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 a lot of fun yeah um did either of you guys watch mr robot at all because i've got to admit i watched the first season uh which was like that was sam smell's kind of big thing yeah and like i could not get into it at like i i thought it was really really just i could not find a, a route into it i didn't see how like i didn't see why it deserved all the acclaim that it got so that's mm. one of the reasons why i was a little nervous going in to leave the world behind but yeah, yeah. did you either, either of you watch it i did not yeah no mm. I, I have not seen any of it so uh yeah is that the show with uh rami uh, malik rami rami. Yeah. yeah i mean i i saw when academy it was award like, winner rami malik yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um i remember seeing like all the like there were all sorts of clips and scenes mm-hmm. that kind of went viral of like his performance and that yeah. sort of thing. And I was like, okay, this seems like a show that really wants to be the weirdest show you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it is, but yeah, there it, were... it sort of gave me a, it sort of gave me like a modern day X files kind of vibe where, mm-hmm. I, and I, and I, again, I've not seen a single episode, mm-hmm. but it, it's sort of that, like it's, it's got like, it got like mainstream attention and is, you know, and is sort of a sci-fi ish thing, but is also like, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's some like paranoia things going on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that, that's kind of the vibe it gave me. And I, and I, I kind of, I danced around the idea of watching it and I just never did. And I was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. The first season didn't really do much for me. And I, I admit that it was kind of, I don't know. I kind of came to it with, the baggage of knowing that it had all the hype and like some of the hype that I had seen, I remember it being and I swear we'll get back to the leave the world behind review. <laughs> uh, but some of the hype that I had seen it included like people talking, like talking about how like, Oh, it's the greatest show ever because 
all the hacking that they do in the in the show is like real hacking like they're actually doing the stuff and everything and i'm like okay that very cool yeah that like a compelling story that does not make um and then like i i know this is going to be so snobby and so like maybe i'm just not the audience for it but like i remember like the first episode i was watching it and i was like oh this is gonna be crazy because like he's he's a hacker and he's gonna hack stuff and everything and then like he does like the cold open of the series is that someone wrongs him or someone does something that pisses him off and he basically goes he he is setting up to hack into the guy's facebook um or hack into like one of his accounts or something and like it's just and this is a real tactic and everything but it's just he was just him googling the guy finding all of the personal information he could and then guessing what the password was yeah and i was just like okay this it's boring it didn't do anything for me but anyway all that's to say watching leave the world behind made me kind of curious to maybe revisit mr robot with fresh eyes um in particular i feel like there were some very interesting um uh kind of uh, imagery in in the in the movie um yeah. just i mean from from some of the scant like disaster footage or if you want to call it that but also like just the way the camera just operated and moved around the sets and and the use of like dutch angles and like moving into a different scene while swerving into like a dutch angle was like really really immersive and and uh i really enjoyed that i thought i thought that was it it made the almost two and a half hour runtime kind of breeze by a little bit um yeah because it just flowed really well yeah yeah it it was it it created such a disorienting kind of you know had such a disorienting kind of feel that it and and it pulled you in and that and that's certainly what the you know the whole vibe of the movie is that Mm -hmm we're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, what, what is this that's happening and and no one really knows. And, and we get, you know, these little pieces of information and, and it's, it, it was really just, it was just really very interesting the way that, that, you know, they, they use those shots to, to kind of add to that, that tension a little bit. And there's, yeah. there, there's just this, there's this one moment that's sort of um, kind of the point where the movie really kind of kicks into another gear. And, and that's, you know, Ethan Hawke's character leaves the house to he's, as he says, I'm going to go find a newspaper, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's like, it, it's just such a ridiculous statement, even yeah. from the viewer. Cause you know, at this point, like they, the internet has been out and, you know, they, for example, watched a ship run aground mm-hmm. and, you know, there's just yeah. like been these things happening and he's just like, oh, I'll just run to the to the gas station and get myself a newspaper <laughs> yeah. and find out what's going on. It's like Patrick Bateman's. Uh, I have to return some videotapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But but everything yep. ratchets up from that point. There, mm-hmm. you know, there's there are different things going on. There, you know, he's as he's driving, he he encounters someone, and I don't know how much we want to even like give away there. But then, yeah. meanwhile, back at the house. You know, every, everyone kind of has these little pieces of information that they have purposefully not shared with other members of this yeah. group and yeah and I, I don't know if we if, have we even introduced kind of the conceit of it is that the uh the the family julia roberts and ethan hawk's family oh yeah Clay no. <laughs> and amanda stanford they um they get this airbnb um they rent it out and to do kind of an impromptu vacation and they bring their children and um that night the owner of the home and his teenage daughter or i don't know young adult daughter they mm-hmm. show up at the door 
and they they're like yeah so we had some problems we're wondering if, we, if you guys would mind if we stayed um you know keep in mind it's their house and so there's a lot of like back and forthing about that and yeah. um come to find out that you know everyone involved has some you know sliver of information that yeah. the rest of them don't really have and of course you know the uh the Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are trying to keep their kids mostly in the dark about this because they don't mm. really know what's going on. Um, and in the meanwhile, uh, GH played by Mahershala Ali is trying to keep some things from his daughter, even though she knows a lot more than seemingly everybody else. Um, she kind of has, she's kind of that person who's the most grounded mm. and, and, but also no one really believes her because she's just a young, you know, she's just like some snotty teenager or, you know, I, I am assuming she's like 19 or 20. Yeah. That um, was my assumption too. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, they, I don't think they ever really say, but she's, um, I believe she's not in college is something we find out, although she's very smart. Um, but there's just, a, there's, a, so there's like all these little like mini dynamics going on between them. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of dancing around with what people know and, they kind of like, you know, for, for example, um, uh, Clay and Amanda and the family watch this ship run aground at the beach, which yeah. they then don't tell GH and his daughter when they meet them as they're saying, oh, there's like something going on. There's a blackout. And and they're just like, oh, yes, by the way, we watched this ship like hit the beach yeah. today, like in this very strange way that everyone was running from, you know, and. It's so, yeah. yeah, it it's so there's, there's just a lot of these things going There's And there's yeah. there's kind of like class things going on as well mm -hmm. right there's you know there there's some jealousy and uh uh going on there and uh, and uh, andy as you touched on uh amanda's um uh, pretty like uh like low-key as you said low-key racism <laughs> yeah. like, i mean at one point she was just like i'm just not used to you know like she's almost like blah black you know yeah she's, and she's like yeah. people i don't know yeah you know, like you can almost see her like start to form the b with her lips before right. she, she <laughs> her mind. and it's just like you know and, and she just like is going out of her way to be like well what if like he set this whole thing up so that he could rob us and it's like <laughs> right. dude showed up in a tuxedo yeah <laughs> you know, like i don't think like a very elaborate robbery right? she's like they could be conning us and it's like it's like, listen, calm down, lady. <laughs> right. She's a, a pretty great A Karen in this movie. And, yes. And, and very and she she does it very well, I'll, I'll have to say. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah I, I just thought the um her dynamic with um GH, Mahershala Ali's character, was really great just because like you get the upfront kind of her instinct of hostility that's based in, you know, cultural bias or prejudice. Mm -hmm. um, and then just by kind of, you know, poking at her continually, he kind of cracks her facade until they're like sharing these moments together um, that are, that are really fun and interesting. Uh, meanwhile, Ethan Hawke is like on his own planet, <laughs> <Either> <laughs> driving around or talking to the daughter and, mm -hmm wondering yeah. about things he's done in his life and uh, yeah and shit like that so it's just it's fun the way the movie kind of bounces between different character dynamics um and everybody yeah. kind of uh the characters are very like archetypal like they're very easy mm -hmm. to kind of break down into a few points but the way those points uh 
bounce off each other um i think is really what makes the film fun and there's just a lot of like i would call it snappy dialogue but that makes it sound like like tarantino or sorkin or something it's not like that it's not like flashy dialogue but it's very like um all the, just all these opposing ideas kind of ping-ponging off each other the way they do in real life uh, conversations mm-hmm. when there's tension in the mix and it, it's just a really nice uh nice portrayal of that of how these people from kind of different perspectives who are strangers would actually interact with each other in an environment yeah. like this absolutely and i loved the way that the like like you guys kind of touched on the the way that Mahershala Ali's character is able to kind of like crack through the facade of Julie Roberts's like uh, racism and prejudice and everything and and fear based in that. Um, Mm. But also just like the those ideas of uh, withholding the information that each person has, like it's not a very prominent thing in, in most cases in the movie, but I love like like that example of the of the ship kind of running aground. I just love how natural it is that like the the casualness with which they decide um, to just not tell GH and his daughter about it. Like they, they touch on it and uh, like Ethan Hawke's like, well, I don't want to add more to the things. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's important context for stuff that's happening, but incredibly it's, unusual too. Exactly. Like, yeah. And like yeah. it can, it can veer off into that level of like kind of humor, um, in like in, in, uh, in the sense of, uh, people reacting poorly or inadequately to very life changing events. But it's also just a thing where they're in a very, very, compromised state they're in a in a Mm -hmm. situation that they are everyone involved is uncomfortable in for various reasons and it's just like it's like like on the razor's edge of of something that is working with them to an extent but if they add more context if they it's it's like this undercurrent of of whether or not they should team like team together and and like face it going forward or if they should just like mistrust each other which is all told like a major theme of the movie too yeah. um well and, and there's this weird and there's this sort of weird thing too there that that line they're dancing on is between them between this you know what appears to be a very like societally changing event mm-hmm. and their unwillingness to really like commit any real attention to it. Mm-hmm. it, it you know, and if, if you watch yeah. kind of the start of the film, there's, there's this moment where um, uh, Amanda comes to clay and like gives him a pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like he's been caught, you know? And she's like, Oh no. Like, yeah. I just, I, she's like, I know you've been doing this. Like, just like go do it. Don't let the kids yeah. see you smoke. We're on vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's just like this weird little thing where she's like been obviously been paying attention where he thinks he's been fooling her mm-hmm. um, by smoking occasionally. But then also, if you go, you know, a few minutes later, they're at the beach and the ship is hurtling toward the shore, like directly at them. Mm-hmm. And they can hardly be bothered to like even look at it. it, it you know, the daughter is like, um, 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 and they're like, yep. what? 
What? It's like it's like that thing when you have someone, you know, you got a friend or you know whoever your significant other, and you're like, you got to see this thing, like hurry, <laughs> yeah. and they're you know, and they and can't like, look fast enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like, and they don't care to look fast at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they always invariably look just as it's too late to see. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like one of those moments, and and that kind of happens a lot early in the film where you know they're they're especially with the two of them with uh you know amanda and clay they're just sort of not really all that engaged of outside of things that they're really directly interested in yeah and and they're missing a whole lot because of that and and their children that you know there there was a moment where i you know the the kids end up going off um on their own the two the two younger kids mm-hmm. and um uh, uh, Amanda asks Ruth to not involve the kids in this, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, just like, don't tell them anything, like keep them in the dark, let them just have their fun. And it's like, these are, these are, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Rose is like a preteen. She's what, like 11. And then Archie is like 15. I'm guessing. Like, yeah. It seems like a high schooler. Yeah. Like they're, they're old enough to at least know what's going on. Yeah. And, and they're, and she's, and she's, you know, very like, obviously purposefully keeping them in the dark mm-hmm. and and then you know but and then later on you see them and, and they're here they are like you know they're like looking at all of these animals like literally a hundred animals are just like <laughs> like deer like not <laughs> you know not squirrels like deer are standing there staring at them and they're they just don't know what to do and and you know and then, then it occurred to me as i'm watching i'm like well yeah i mean the reason she they don't want to tell them is because they can't handle it but then but then i go well no the reason they can't handle it is because they don't tell them these things to begin yeah. with. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and all of that just feeds into that kind of that mindset. There's like the helicopter parenting mm-hmm. and there's this kind of class, you know, class battles going on um, sort of kind of behind the scenes. Like it's just, it's just weird jealousy. And it's, it's kind of like at these kids age, they should be involved. They should know yeah. what's happening and know, mm-hmm. know the stakes of what they're doing. You can't protect them from this kind of stuff. So, Mm-hmm. It, it, all, all of that kind of just created this interesting little soup and in, especially kind of in the first half of the movie absolutely and like that that kind of that kind of adds additional uh texture to the ending of the movie and like that it kind of blew the ending of open open form wait that's not the right phrase <laughs> it kind of blew the blew the ending wide open for me um mm-hmm. because yeah i think that that yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that in spoilers, but yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, yeah that this ending is is yeah. really, certainly is the kicker for the movie, um, and you know, like we said, we're going to not mention it now. Yeah, uh, and and don't you know if you don't want it to be spoiled, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't listen. Obviously, yeah. to us later. But, uh, yes, yeah, but it it is it is a very big kicker, and and this is all and it all ties in with these things. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I think that the, like for twenty twenty three specifically, I don't know if there is anything to be said about the nature of this movie versus like the world we live in and everything. But I do think that for the year 2023, it's interesting that it's be that it's, that it's kind of been cinematically bookended with like knock at the cabin at the beginning of the year and now leave the world behind at the end. Uh, two very kind of similar movies, um, about families trying to survive. Um, (laughs) a crazy, crazy scenario um in isolation i think that that's kind of an interesting um interesting pattern for the for the year yeah and by I pattern mean, i mean two movies right um, <laughs> well, it's a, yeah it's a thing and it's something mm-hmm. that a lot of our entertainment has 
kind of veered toward more recently. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, there, I'm, I'm trying to think of the movie. Um, is it, was it called sick? There's a movie that, Oh yeah. Like sick. Very. Yeah. Where, where there's like a woman, a girl being chased by a killer mm. and the woman won't let her in the car because she's like, you don't have your mask on, you know, yeah. like, like you know, <laughs> kind of in the wake of all of that, these movies, I think that's, you know, they always say that societal events uh, affect the entertainment that comes mm. after it. And yeah. And we're kind of seeing that. I think yeah. With, with this movie, the I mean, COVID is not a, obviously a, a thematic part of this movie, but mm. I think those, those feelings, that feeling of paranoia and those feelings of absolutely you know, isolating yourself from other people that those, these are all come into play here. Yeah. And I'm glad you said uh, that COVID is not directly involved with it because I was a little afraid you were going to say COVID is not real. And <laughs> 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 you're being uh, like, comes people. out as an anti-vaxxer <laughs> yeah. on this viewer. Yes. Um, <laughs> if I don't speak the truth, who will? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for for listening to this episode. Uh, but no. Uh, uh, are there any other things we want to talk about in non spoilers, or should we shift over to should we should we steer our ship toward the beach of spoiler territory? <laughs> um, I I think I, I there's one oh, only one other thing I kind of would like to touch on before spoilers is mm-hmm. um, the way the film. Well, I likened it to to Ten Cloverfield Lane earlier, yeah. which is a very a very tiny scope movie, very small scale, not a lot of like big spectacle, special effects, you know, things like that. Obviously, there's the ending that kind of explodes, but other than that, very small. And this is very similar in tone and structure. But the interesting thing about it is, it is this this uh, pressure cooker of a movie mm-hmm. of just people interacting. But then it periodically kind of diverts into set piece territory, where it's like, okay, we're at the the Tesla car scene mm-hmm. and the plane crash scene and the beach scene yeah. and the deer scene, and it's just like, um, I thought it was interesting watching this movie and it feeling like this very grounded in camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, dialogue driven movie that then kind of as each character splits up or whatever diverts into this kind of big grand vfx moment um and the the cgi in this movie is not stellar uh uh, it's it's kind of what you'd expect of like a you know a streaming product more than a, a, a hollywood film but i really didn't mind that because it felt like when this movie goes into those those spectacle moments the camera presents it in some really interesting way like uh the scene of mahershala ali's character running back into the house as he's seeing the plane oh yeah um and it just kind of the camera follows like into the house as if it's like a dollhouse that's split open it's Mm. like goes in the side of the house and you see the whole wall yeah everything come come blowing through it um just choices like that where i'm like okay normally i i think i'd be irritated that this very grounded movie is like taking all these big steps into giant digital set piece moment but the cinematography or the staging of it uh keeps it 
feeling very organic with the rest of the film because the camera is constantly moving and doing weird yes. things and going through spaces in unusual ways and linking all these disparate moments together visually. Um, and so I just thought that was cool how the film uh, bounced between those two kind of modes. Yeah, totally agree. That definitely enhanced what would have been a, uh, a more prominently lackluster, if I could say that um yeah. use of cgi because like some of the stuff was a little bit a little bit dodgy there but um yeah. but yeah it definitely enhanced it um if, if there's if there's a criticism i really would have of this movie it, it i think it would it would maybe revolve around not those shots that you're talking about but but those moments some of those moments where you know you have all of these like weird animal things happening and mm-hmm. then you have you know weird failures with you know with vehicles like you know and yeah. we and we sort of get some answers but it feels like it, it could feel like at a time like especially looking back and i've watched it twice now mm-hmm. and okay. looking back at it it's like it almost feels like some of them are red herrings in a sense you know the yeah. where there's not a real payoff or the payoff they give us the the at least the ex, the rationale they give us is kind of especially with the animals it, it's it's a little dodgy yeah, yeah. And it, it's yeah. sort of like why do we even include that other than it's just a really weird moment and it's right. just like really disconcerting. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so that, that would kind of be the, the close, the biggest criticism I could have of it, but, but the, you know, but some of them are, you know, kind of good and interesting ways that, you know, like you said, that they, they tie those moments together and, and, and it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. I think, I think it's really done well more than it's, you know, done right. as a detriment. It doesn't feel like well, it's piled on too much. Yeah. Yeah. And they're inserted almost as nice little like breaks from the constant bickering. Cause mm-hmm. like yeah. I said, it's like usually one character going off by themselves and then this fucking crazy shit happens right. to them. <laughs> and you're like, what? And the funny thing too is like, you know, especially like the Mahershala Ali beach scene with the plane, like, if I went off and experienced that, that would be like the only thing I could talk about for a month. Oh yeah, he absolutely. Comes back and he's like never brought up again. <laughs> he, um, he makes up some story about yeah, how he yeah. like tripped over something he and fell, fell in the, the pool. pool. Yeah. His daughter's like, "Why are you all wet?" And he's like, "Oh, I fell in the pool." Imagine surviving an action movie yes. level like event like that and just then just sweeping it <laughs> under the rug because right. you know you don't trust the situation or whatever absolutely yeah, crazy absolutely uh let's go into spoilers uh yeah. so we can talk we can talk in more detail about the these things so um we're gonna go ahead and go into spoilers for leave the world behind um before we do that is this going to be on your guys's top 10 list at all or in contention for it or is it just going to be a a fun 2023 movie you you watched and it's what have you probably <laughs> somewhere around the like 20 to 25 mark mm-hmm. for me yeah. uh, nice. which still i i've thoroughly enjoyed at least i don't know 40 movies this year so like yeah. it's still well within my happy place um but yeah it's a good time it's nice. actually and i i have a, a kind of a running list mm-hmm. that i, I it's, it's sitting at 21 right now so oh, it's, nice it, it's high enough Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, I, I'm not going to go crazy about it, but I very much, I very would say I very much enjoyed it. It's, it's a, yeah. a, a solid, strong movie. Oh, nice. I guess it's a 20 for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it's sitting pretty with me around like 15 or 17. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I really enjoy it and I'm eager to talk about it in spoilers. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my segue. Um, let's go into spoilers <laughs> for leave the world behind. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. If you want to navigate show notes, check the show notes, uh, to move away from spoilers. But, uh, after this clip from the trailer, we're going to be spoiling leave the world behind. driving back to the city then something happened you want to stay here but we're staying here we need to get them out of here i need to think everything's gonna be okay everything is gonna be okay isn't it we are seeing ongoing cyber attacks across the country something is happening and i don't trust them so spoilers on for Leave the World Behind, and uh, let's get into it. What what did you guys think in terms of spoilers, and what what would be, what would be your sitcom that you would that you would watch the finale of um, oh, in a bunker? <laughs> well, there's a there's so much significance to Friends being the show that the girl was watching. Yeah, uh, like number where... one. That, I believe Julia Roberts was in an episode or two of Oh Friends. yeah. Season two. Yeah. The uh the um the Super Bowl episode. She was dating um she was dating Matthew Perry in real life at that at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. I think they were engaged for a while too. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, that that was a fun little bit of like you know, meta ness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. What's the the I mean, what's the sitcom I would watch? I mean, The Office <laughs> is always a kind of a favorite. Yeah. Thirty Rock is, you know, the, these are mm. a little bit newer, but um I don't know. There there was something just so perfect about Friends being that choice, both because of Netflix mm-hmm. and just because of the you Yeah. Know, and and the comment that, that Ruth made about how I was gonna bring was, that up. Was, yeah, what what was the line? She uh, said it, it was, was it's uh, something about how it's like it's uh, it's, like it's nostalgic, nostalgic for a for time, time that, that never didn't, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a time that yeah didn't exist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. yeah that was so. And and it is funny because you know, and given kind of the the more contemporary criticisms of of Friends as a show, mm-hmm. you know, specifically like how, how white it was, yeah. and it, you know, like the those kind of you know it it kind of rang home given the kind of the the subtle racial undertones of this mm-hmm. movie um and and the kind of the obliviousness of of the family you know to, yeah, yeah. To, to, of them and you know what their kind of denial of the problems or mm-hmm. you know it it was and it, and it was funny because it was with you know with Julia Roberts like she was very all over the place you know her mm-hmm. character was all over the place because it was like on one hand she's panicking she panics a lot um and she panics for a lot of things that she probably doesn't need to really panic about right um but then and then she gets mad at 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 play at ethan Hawke's character for not panicking although <laughs> you know he very clearly could not mm-hmm. because it would be complete chaos mm-hmm. um so it, it it just feels like you know with that and and then of course the the daughter's obsession with the show uh, and, and that being her, you know, there, there's that moment where she is literally sitting on top of sleeping. And she's like, mom, I, I can't get the TV. Like it's such, it's such a, like a kid thing to do. Yeah. Uh, 
and neither of you guys have kids, but that's that's a very kid thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. mom, 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 I'm going to wake you up <laughs> and tell you that I can't watch this TV show. Like, mm-hmm. could I be doing something else? Maybe, but I have to watch this show right now or I'm going right. to mine. Yeah. You know, and, and there's that whole thing where this is just like that singular focus and mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that, that Rose has and, and just that payoff was just so perfect. <laughs> yeah. And- yeah. And kind of as an extension of the shielding aspect of it, like this, she's doing the same thing uh, that her parents have done, basically in terms of keeping her from keeping the kids from the knowledge of what's going on or keeping them not, you know, like, quote unquote, protected. She's like, she's just found this, (laughs) like sanctuary. And the first thing she does is grabs the DVD. And like, I, I, I wrote in my le- letterbox blurb just as a kind of joke, like uh, the final moment of this movie gave me such a deep, wow, this is literally me feeling <laughs> um, because that's literally probably the first priority. Like, in fact, throughout that the movie, in a comfortable movie. Yeah. Show at this oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like throughout the movie, I kept thinking like, oh, man, you know, yeah, well, if the Internet's gone forever, like hopefully she finds DVDs or something like I had that yeah. thought during the movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, but I just thought thought that that was a just fascinating statement to kind of bring home the themes of of the family dynamics and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what? Well, yeah, what? What, what else? <laughs> well, well, I'd like to jump into that into mm-hmm. that dynamic because another thing that you know we were talking about kind of that duality of you know her kids are not prepared mm-hmm. and couldn't handle the end of the world, so to speak, but. Also, they can't because they continually, she continually specifically shielding them from yeah. things, which doesn't allow them to grow. Yeah. But there, there's also the aspect of that. And, and it hit me during that scene that I was just talking about where, you know, Rose is sitting on top of Amanda while she's sleeping. And it's mm-hmm. that it's also easier for her to keep the kids in the dark. If, yep. if the kids aren't aware of this, she doesn't have to deal with them. So not to and, answer their questions and yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's, there's that aspect of, you know, it, it being easier for them to just keep them in, to keep them ignorant of the situation. That way they don't have to actually parent them, you yeah. know, which, which is kind of something that came out for, uh, you know, again, she was, and she was very judgmental. Uh, Amanda mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. about a lot of things. And, and then here she is, you know, with this, just it's it's pretty terrible honestly it's a it's a a terrible way to parent um and it's uh but it's something that a lot of people do i mean i know a lot of people who who do these kinds of things and who have the same mindset Mm um without without getting too involved people who are who are or have been very close to me (laughs) (laughs) um, who you know who kind of have had who i've had had discussions with about these kinds of things Mm -hmm. um so it's yeah it, it's it's something that a lot of people do and and certainly contributes to like the tension of this because those kids are out in the woods wandering mm-hmm. around not knowing right. they just as far as they know everything is fine um so yeah so anyway that's that that was kind of the 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 big thing i took away from that whole mm-hmm. those whole relationships were and, and you know especially like i said tying it in with that with that kind of sublimely fun ending. Yeah. And it, and it's funny cuz like the sheltered aspect of it or the the um the kids being uh, ill-equipped to deal with like 
anything going on is also kind of reflected in the way that Archie reacts to um, what's GH's daughter's name? Um, Ruth. 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 Uh, yeah. With him like taking the candid shots of her and then and then jerking yeah. off to her later. And then like, yeah. I love yeah. how that's reflected in like the way that Ruth is like talking to talking to her dad. It's like, yeah, I think the, the, the dad wants to fuck me and the, the, the son was taking pictures of me and stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting contrast to see these like maladjusted kids versus her who's very perceptive and, and aware of things a, a lot better and I don't know if that plays into the in, into some of the class kind of dynamics as well but mm-hmm. I just thought that that was a really interesting uh, dichotomy to strike uh, like between the two family groups in the movie yeah yeah no I, I thought it was yeah I thought that was a really great way to adjust yeah because you know because yeah because Archie is very clear like there's that they have that moment where he sees her for the first time in the in the bathing suit and it's just like oh my god yeah and and it could have gone any number of ways it could have turned into like a romance you know Mm -hmm. where he was like talking to her but instead he chose to be a creeper and and yeah like take take video of her take pictures of her and yeah and and yeah and and it's certainly a uh kind of a testament to to her and to the the parenting that raised her uh, that she was aware of that and called that out to her dad. And yeah. you know, that there, there is that, that comfortability with between mm-hmm. them because, you know, he, she said that to him. I mean, she was very frank and she, you know, the word, the way you worded it where she's like, Oh yeah. Like the, you know, like, like clay would definitely fuck me. Like yeah. it was not, it was, she didn't beat around the bush at all. She wasn't like daddy, I feel uncomfortable. Right. She was like, he wants to fuck me. Yeah. And it was just like, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it, you know, I mean, I've got a, a, 16 year old daughter like if she said something like that to me i'd be i'd be very alarmed by that (laughs) and and he and he was very calm and cool about it which you know again was his character but Mm -hmm. uh yeah but it yeah there's there's a lot that goes into these these things of how these different these parents raise their children differently and and how you know how perceptive they are to what's going on around them yeah um Yes. So the set pieces, uh, I've, I, so throughout the movie, I was kind of, um, I didn't, <laughs> this is weird. It, it's kind of weird. Cause like, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I didn't know at the start, like what kind of movie it was. Like, I didn't know if this was a movie that it wanted. Yeah. I mm-hmm. didn't know if it wanted me to try to deduce what's going on. Or if it wanted me to, you know, just follow along. But when the beach plane crash sequence happens, um, the way that that plays out is just wonderful. And I don't know if this is intentionally the case, but for a brief moment, I was thinking, like, could this be something as direct as, like, whatever's going on is like manifesting like the deepest fears of the character. So like Mahershal Ali's character, his wife is on a plane somewhere when, when the shit goes down. So like he is at a plane wreckage and another plane is crashing. Um, But I, I, it's like, that wasn't the case in terms of like what the situation was and everything. But I just thought that that, I don't know. I just, I thought that that was uh, really, really, terrifying and um again kind of similar to something in knock at the cabin as well um but yeah i i really i really like the set pieces yeah 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 and i i agree and and man all this we've talked about we haven't even mentioned uh kevin bacon's involvement either <laughs> yeah <laughs> because that that was because that's just such a different 
it's it's a, a whole other little tangent that you know but you know again kind of thematically ties into all mm-hmm. of it that yeah this where you know that where this guy that you know gh uh, mahershal ali's character has been had been friends with and he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah let's like go to his house like he'll know what to do and he shows up and he's like no you gotta get out of here like i'm not doing anything to help you yeah. and he, he's like into the world buddy you know it's just like <laughs> You know, it's like every man for himself. And he, yeah. you know, like he even like racks his shotgun and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it, and it turns into like this weird standoff between the two of them. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just like, it's, it's all, it's all just, and, and Kevin Bacon also is, is kind of embodying a, um, I don't know how to say it. he's sort of the, like the, the self-made man. Like he's, he's very clearly a working man. Yeah. He's not, he's not as he calls other people, rich asshole, you know, yeah. that, you know, that, that is, you know, has landed some cush job or has a rich family. And so, you know, like this, he's, he very much like he wears, the, he wears a cap, a baseball cap, and he's got a scruffy beard. And he's, you know, like he's, he's very clearly meant to be sort of a, a man who's made himself, you know, yeah. he's been a hard, he's had a harder, hard working life as opposed to, you know, people who have these cush jobs. Um, and, and that is important to him, you know, obviously. And he's, you know, and, and he makes the kind of that, the comments later on, like, hey, you should go to whoever's the bunker, you know, because they, you know, like they did this whole thing on the down low where they just built this doomsday shelter for themselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, yep. it's like, it's like, I, it's like, I knew it. That's what he's doing, you know. So, like, go, go to his house. You know, he's not there because, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like that, that, you know, that whole thing where it's just, you know, but but also it doesn't. It also at the same time doesn't like celebrate him, as as uh, Richard Dreyfus maybe said, like this working man's hero crap. You know, to borrow a <laughs> yes. line from Jaws. Uh, it, it's not like it, it's not like he. They're saying that you know that these uneducated, these so-called uneducated people are the people who were smart enough to survive. Although. Right. Like he clearly is, you know, is someone who doesn't have the same quote unquote pedigree as the rest of them. But um, and, and you kind of get the feeling he's going to last longer than than any of them will. But it, it's just, you know, where, where it's just like in the end, your money can't really help you if you're not prepared. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's more the that's more the uh, the the message, I think, than than it is like, oh, all these rich pricks are going to get killed. Because um, they, I mean, they certainly will, but there's plenty yeah. of inner, you know, inner city schlubs who were obviously were dying as well. <laughs> things happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the interesting thing too about uh, Bacon's character is like, like you said, it's not really, it's not painting him as like the, the hero or whatever, but it, it's actually even kind of an indictment of like that, that kind of. Because, you know, we all know somebody or we're Facebook friends with somebody or whatever who, like, kind of leans toward those sort of nut job tendencies of, like, Uh oh, when everything goes to shit, I'll have my guns and I'll have my (laughs) farm or whatever. And, like, none of you – I'll shoot any of you on site if you step on my property, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, these very kind of – a lot of times they're, you know, uh, Second Amendment people Mm -hmm. or, or, um, you know, kind of – often republican or libertarian Mm -hmm. um and i think it's an interesting uh portrayal of of a how that person will end up in the apocalypse you know yes they will be better prepared they will survive but you know what 
these people that like also claim to be, you know, the common man, the like the salt of the earth. They will not have any empathy. Like no, they will, right. they don't care about you now and they won't care about you then. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the, the kind of, I guess it's maybe just like kind of a, kind of a bleak examination of like the people who will be, you know, the most prepared are the least uh, likely to, to give you a lending, give you a helping hand. Um, Absolutely. Both, both on the upper class end Mm -hmm. and on the more, the work middle or working class end. Um, So that was kind of an interesting, it was such a small part, like, you know, small scene in the movie Mm -hmm. right toward the end. And I didn't also didn't expect it to be, basically the last scene before the the friends scene at the yeah, end before um, the punchline basically yeah yeah um i just thought that was a uh, really cool because i didn't even know kevin bacon was in it oh, yeah. and i was like oh all right i, I yeah i i forgotten i i saw I his name was in the opening credit and i saw it and then i just oh, yeah, forgot right. and then at the end he pops up and i'm like and i didn't even recognize him for a second when i first yeah. saw him I was not paying that much attention. I was like, oh, like, who's this guy? And then I look and I was like, oh, I was like, damn, that's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I was like, that's right. He is in this movie. And yeah, so it was, it was just sort of a, yeah, it was sort of a, a weird surprise, even though, like I said, I saw, I, was, mm-hmm. I even noted his name. I was like, oh, Kevin Bacon's in this. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then he shows up and it, and it's again him playing a bit against type, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's just, it's interesting how, you know julia roberts also is a you know it's it's a little against type for her to mm-hmm. to be a character like that and uh, i mean i don't know ethan hawk is pretty varied but it's it's maybe a little bit you know off center for him mm-hmm. some you know some of the like the cowardly aspects of the character that that kind of emerge but uh but it it's just it, it's it's just really a lot of fun to kind of sit through this movie and and see all the things and it, you yeah. know and and kind of play that guessing game mm-hmm. as to what's going cuz there's because there's a lot of speculation as to what it oh, could yeah. be, and and, you know, and, they, and they even talk about like, you know, it's you know, it's a a civil war thing. Like mm-hmm. it's these external these external forces causing a civil war, and yeah. it was like, oh wow, like where does that come from? Like, right. this, you know, like this is the strategy. Like you, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and basically like things that the U.S. has been doing it, and this is what's funny is like at a larger level, like like a socio-political level, it's something mm-hmm. that the United States has, has been doing is being involved in other people's, you know, affairs and, yeah. and yeah. driving wedges between people and, and causing them to... Destabilizing countries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it certainly is a thing that, yeah, that, that a strategy we've employed and now suddenly it's just turned against us. But yeah. but at the same time, the movie doesn't take that stance directly. Mm. You know, it, it's not like, yeah, you you shitty Americans deserve this. It's, right, and, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for that to be a major theme, but it, it's it, it's still there, but it's a little more subtle, and you have to kind of think about it to get there. Yeah, yeah. and I like the kind of microcosm aspect of it, to where like yeah, like like you said, it, it's same thing that we've done to other countries, and maybe it's happening to us. But like even when the movie is filled with so much speculation, so many different theories and things that could happen, just I like that the most. Uh, arguably definitive thing is that like Kevin Bacon saying that like, you know, maybe a few of our enemies join together and are taking us down. Um, yeah. And then Mahershala Ali's character is just like, okay, well like 
that moment in the car when they're leaving after getting the medicine and everything, he's just like, I need to know that you're with me and like we're together on this because this is what's going on. This is what I believe is happening. We need to make sure that we're together. And it's just, I don't know. I think that that's an interesting way to kind of close the the story of what's going on while leaving everything so open-ended and uh, open to interpretation. I think that's a, a really good way to kind of skirt the line of an ambiguous ending while giving mm-hmm. us enough detail enough answers enough information for us to kind of still be satisfied by it yeah 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 Yeah. and and, and yeah and that it was and it was funny um you know kind of going back to that that you know you know who it was you know who it is it's the koreans you know (laughs) maybe the chinese you know and then it's like oh well that's funny well we have this thing and, you know, it's like, we think it's the Iranians, you know, because mm-hmm. they have, the, you know, the, the flyer right. from the, the crop duster or the, the drone is what they called it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that it, it is, it is kind of like, that is that theme where, you know, we, we are very divided along these lines, these like hard lines um, kind of societally right now. And it's easy. It, that's, that's sort of an easy thing to pick on and, and, but a very yeah. valid thing to pick on, um, you know, for, for a film like this to, to you know to talk about that you know that the wedge that someone else can drive between us um and it, it's sort of a kind of a prescient little bit of a point <laughs> you know yeah. to make yeah and i th- and i think that's kind of the a, a takeaway for you know for for the the person watching the movie is you know is maybe we could stop you know seeing these exterior differences in yeah. you know more in, in a more of a come together sort of way mm-hmm. other than you know distrusting someone because right. <laughs> you know this rich uppity black person you know like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like that that first thing with julia roberts man where she was like she just looks at him she's like you own this house yeah <laughs> i was like oh Damn. god yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was just like wow yeah. Then finally, you know, then finally Ruth comes out and says it and makes her mm-hmm. kind of face it, and she's yeah. like, "Why? Why is that?" You can't, I loved you know? how direct she was with that. Like how she just yeah. cut, like Ruth just cut through the bullshit there. Uh-huh. Um, it's like, I, yeah. That that's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> yes. you know, like, the way she, the way she <laughs> black. I was like, yeah, so good, <laughs> so good. And Julie Roberts is very much just like clutching her pearls. Like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> also, you're right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she's like the uh, like the I don't know the the feeling I was like she's like the dad in um, Get Out. Like oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. I can't be racist. Yeah. She's like, listen, I let you guys in. I can't be racist. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, she, she never says that, but right. Know, and 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 ethan hawk's character is just so like i don't know just so nonchalant about yeah it's it's so mostly just an annoyance for him you know Mm -hmm. right like how about honey don't be so damn racist (laughs) these people you know instead of just like "Uh, how do you know that they're you know like how do you know they're trying to scam you You right like he had the keys like he told you his name like yeah you have been emailing this guy and know his name like Mm. like well he could have like hacked into someone's email and then he could have stolen those keys yeah, and right. then, you know like maybe he murdered someone and adopted their identity <laughs> right. so they could rob us you know it's just like you know it's, yeah it's like this complete ridiculousness 
that kind of comes out in a kind of a moment of panic. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other thoughts on spoilers or should we wrap up this review guys? You know, <laughs> there was uh, kind of one thing I would be remiss if I didn't ask you guys about it because mm-hmm. Nick Rogers of Midwest mm-hmm. film journal and I had a whole conversation about this. The sound design or one mm-hmm. particular element of the oh, sound yeah. design um, that winds up being, I think, clearly kind of a a building you into something. But at first, um, sounds like there's something wrong with your sound system. Um, <laughs> I think it, it first shows up mm-hmm. in when the when the oil tanker beaches um, as it's like crashing into the sand or whatever. I was hearing these little just like pops. Like, obviously, there's, like, the loud, bassy churning of the mm. boat hitting the coast. But then amidst that, there was this little, like... <laughs> and I was yeah. like, what is going on? I was, like, looking at my little yeah, yeah, yeah. speakers, mm. and I was like... I, I got concerned and Nick had the same reaction. I was like, is my sound system going to shit right now? <laughs> like, come on. Um <clears throat> And then like, Nick yeah, would have a panic about something like that. Oh too. yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. And then kind of every time there's like a major, you know, uh, you know, another one of those incidents that really kind of brings the, the sound to a, to a peak, um, mm-hmm. those pops and clicks get a little bit louder until there's that one, I think it's right at the end of the, the like, you know, noise weapon or whatever that they use mm-hmm. right at the end of that. It's punctuated with a really loud pop, like somebody just popped their bubble gum in your ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it's all kind of like full circle, like, oh, OK, the movie was like cueing me into this mm-hmm. off kilter vibe that it was bringing and also kind of like. It, it's kind of blurring the line between like diegetic and not non-diegetic sound. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think those pops were meant to be like in the scene on the, the beach. Universe. Like I don't think the yeah. ship was creating those sounds. I think it was just the movie kind of setting you up to be really confused about, mm-hmm. you know, what was happening to these people. And then when those sounds kind of start to come in and then they become a diegetic sound at the mm-hmm. end with that like loud yeah. punctual pop. That that's was really interesting. That's yeah. so interesting because I did not pick up on the popping like at all. I, oh, I thought okay. you were gonna. I thought you were referring to just the sound weapon thing. Um, well, and that's interesting. Interesting thing about that too is I think, I think Nick, who I don't know what his sound setup is or how different mm-hmm. it is from mine, but he did not hear the popping early in the movie. He only oh, heard it like during the noise weapon sequence okay and so when i asked him during the i was like watching the movie and i was like okay so you're talking about because he had already told me about the sound issue he was having i was like oh okay so you're talking about the scene where the boat hits the beach and he's like no what what are you talking (laughs) about i was like it's happening (laughs) (laughs) there there is just a lot there's just a concerted effort in this through this movie to do very subtle things to to just throw you off Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and just give you just to like shift you away you know those mm-hmm. even just like you know that's uh, i mean i i guess that's sort of like a the more of a musical cue like you know to your point than it is yeah you know, something you're experiencing like the characters are experiencing in yeah the film. they don't they don't hear that noise we do yeah. um and yeah there's you know and we mentioned the cameras the camera work earlier mm-hmm. and there but there's there's just a lot of little subtle things that that they do in this film to just to make you uncomfortable as a viewer. And, and that's, it's, 
it's worked to great effect. It's, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that subtlety yeah. really kind of goes a long way. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so I ended up rating it four stars. What did you guys rate it? Same. Same. Yeah, same. Four stars. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, any other thoughts on Leave the World Behind or should we leave this review behind? <laughs> well, let's go on. <laughs> all right well that is our review of uh leave the world behind once again it is available on netflix but if you're listening this far in you've already been spoiled on it so uh (laughs) so yeah um next up we're going to do our secondary review of silent night joe you have not seen this or are you gonna hop off Uh, i have not seen this i haven't decided Okay. I I think I will. Yeah, I think okay. I will. I, I probably don't have much to add. I could mm-hmm. talk about the John Woo movies I've seen as John Woo, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is still sort of limited, but mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. Uh, I think yeah, I think I can close that out um and okay. I'll get to put this film at a, a, another time and mm-hmm. can offer my thoughts elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell people where they can find you online and uh what you've got kind of in in the works for uh your uh, film journalism yeah yeah so yeah you know we talked about midwest film journal i've i've been doing quite a bit uh, uh especially more recently with them um you know we mentioned the samuel l jackson pieces are mostly what i have out i'll have a review of the iron claw coming up uh, pretty soon and and you touched upon it at the start um i'll be going on film sociology um yes. i'm not sure when that will be available mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to record it uh the morning after tomorrow so not tomorrow <laughs> but the next day mm-hmm. as we're recording this not that this matters to a listener yeah uh, it'll but, be uh, you will be recording it while this episode is being released on the internet okay yeah. so yeah so if, if you're listening to this just after it drops then um, i will at that moment probably be uh, working on recording uh, my episode of film sociology mm-hmm. uh, which is on wfyi um mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, i believe if you go, I don't know, it's a podcast now. So I think if you go to WFYI.org, you can find yep. it. Um, and Matt Sosi has been there forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've been on his show many times um, as a guest host and just as a guest. Um, nice. So it's um, it, it's very, it's very good. Uh, you know, I, I would say comparable to this program <laughs> as well in terms of, <laughs> of a student analysis. Uh in terms of weirdos being on it, <laughs> yeah. certainly weirdos being there. You mean this uh, program obsessive viewer? <laughs> well, thank you. I'm making comparison. <laughs> I'm making a favorable comparison. So, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, this is as, as, as high a praise I think as I can offer mm. uh, anything that I'm personally have been involved with. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, go check that out. Um, and and also Midwest Film Journal, of course. I'll. Mm-hmm. I'll keep hammering that. We already mentioned Letterbox. That's yes. uh, Joe Arshier there. It's S H E A R E R. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know. Find me on Facebook. I'm I technically on Twitter and Instagram, but you'll <laughs> never find me there. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> LinkedIn depends on, depends on how involved <laughs> we want to get here. <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's about that's about it for now. I, Joe trying to get the connections made. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we mentioned Medium Cool, a, a movie podcast, mm. which has kind of been on a hiatus for a while and maybe will be coming back at some point. Um, but, um, you know, you can if you are, are into podcasts and want to check that out, by all means, go, mm-hmm. you know, go look at some of our past uh, episodes and uh, maybe we'll have something new in the relatively near future if things work out. Nice. If not, if not, just 
you know, tell Matt to keep bug- bugging me if you want to talk <laughs> yes. about movies and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, thank you so much. And yeah, uh, we'll cool. talk to you soon. And uh, right. I'm very eager to uh, read your review of Iron Claw and to listen to your your episode with with Sosi on it because right. uh, I know you have some uh, a, a lot of big feelings about that movie and i'm very yeah, we could just jump into that eager. now no, we'll <laughs> all right okay thanks a lot all right i'll talk to you, to you later bye. bye they tell me i view obsessively all right so now we're going to go on to our secondary re- review of the night which will likely be a non-spoiler review because i don't know how to spoil this movie honestly <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got a lot of surprises no uh the movie is silent night i'm going to play a clip from the trailer uh to bring us into that review so here we go a clip from the trailer for silent night which is currently in theaters So uh, we're going to review Silent Night, but I just found out that Andre Browner Browner died. Oh. Yeah. From Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Homicide Life on the Streets. That's very sad. Yeah. Huh. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Okay. I don't know how to transition to the the review. Uh, Our our condolences to his uh, his loved ones. That's awful. Yeah. I loved him in... uh, Oh, my God. I loved him in... uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and of course the Mist. Uh, yeah, right. he's phenomenal in that. Damn. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Uh. All right. Well, let's go into our review. Uh, yeah. Silent Night currently in theaters. It was released in theaters on December first. The plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is a grieving father enacts his long-awaited revenge against a ruthless gang on Christmas Eve. Director for the movie was John Woo. Writer was Robert Archer Lin. And the cast includes Joel Kinnaman, Catalina Sandina Marino, and Kid Cudi. Um, And this movie is unique because it is a John Woo uh, action movie, um, American John John Woo action movie. And there is, like, no dialogue because the kind of conceit of it is that Joel Kinnaman's character is uh shot in the throat and cannot speak so he does not speak throughout the movie and yeah i didn't like the movie that much um yeah yeah andy how did you feel about it and what's your history with john woo um i because i kind of feel like you're probably more well-versed in the woo verse than i am um maybe a little bit probably not a lot of it um i think joe said at the end of the last segment that he's you know fairly inexperienced and i would mm-hmm. kind of consider myself the same i think i've seen maybe uh two or three of his uh you know his hong kong action films mm-hmm. um and then i want to say three or four of his american action films and ge- i think generally the the consensus is that american woo not quite as great as 
Hong Kong Wu. Yeah. Um, although, you know, his American movies also have their defenders. A lot of people um, call like Mission Impossible 2 the most underrated of that series. And I personally love Face Off. Yeah, That's Face Off is great. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say I'm somebody who's like, you know, gone to gone to class on uh, mm-hmm. on John Wu. Um but yeah, I I mean I certainly I'm familiar with his reputation and his yeah. storied career and all the con- just contributions he's made to the genre and and the influence that he bears. So I definitely went into this pretty excited. Um I I don't think I've ever seen a John Wu movie in theaters mm. um so i was kind of like okay this will be cool i like kinnaman i think he's kind of an underrated actor uh it seems like he often finds himself in in less than stellar movies yeah. um, but i always think he's like there's like a nugget of something great going on in whatever he's doing even if the movie is like not very good um i loved him in the suicide squad which is actually a pretty good movie um mm. but uh yeah, so to see him get to do this kind of high concept little action vehicle thing with a you know real prominent gimmick, um, I was like, this could be really cool. Um, but I gotta say, um, I don't think the gimmick worked no. at all, and I don't think it made up for it with cool action. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's so funny because on one hand, I honestly, I honestly didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really fully aware of the gimmick until maybe like the day I went to the theater. Like it wasn't one of those things where like, oh, I found out like in pro in progress of it, but like I'd heard here and there like a a day or two before I actually saw the movie. And it's tricky for me to review this because... (laughs) Uh, because I watched John Wick chapter four the other day (laughs) and like, what a great primer. Yes. Like, like (laughs) this, this movie, the action in this movie is, I would say, I would say pretty solid, pretty solid. There's some really fun, uh, just bombastic set pieces, vehicular stuff, and just like some really cool like set pieces and and choreography and like the violence is is cool is interesting is what like what i what i said in my letterbox review was that um if i like i got the distinct feeling that if i was more well versed in woo i would have uh probably not been so impressed with the action uh because Mm. it at times felt like he was just kind of playing the hits like nothing in it seemed seemed innovative for his like uh for his for his personal style or anything yeah um like i and i've seen like broken arrow and face off and mission impossible 2 but it's been years since i've seen those movies um but it just felt very wooey and i feel like what the movie tried to do was take an interesting gimmick and infuse it with the kind of what I would presume is the uh, a pretty generalized John Woo style. Uh, but the problem is that the gimmick wasn't sustainable enough. Like you said, it it wore thin very, very quickly. And yeah. it just got kind of just, 
it felt like at parts that it was it was just trying a little bit too hard to work around the gimmick of of no dialogue and it just felt like unneeded like very much yeah. unneeded yeah um, and and like it was constantly straining against its own gimmick yeah um, you know i'm all for if a movie wants to like really limit itself with this very specific approach mm -hmm. and i honestly think the concept of a quote-unquote silent action film is really cool mm -hmm. um you know using action i don't necessarily mean fighting or violence but, but right. action movement acting um to drive your story uh in absence of words is a really neat idea um but this movie really feels like a movie that wanted to have dialogue but decided that it wouldn't or, or decided that it couldn't mm -hmm. so it just has a bunch of texting in it um, yeah and the texting is just so like i mean it's not like the movie is constantly throwing you know texting at you but right. the first half of the film is before he really gets you know on his murder mission mm -hmm. and he's he's dealing with his his wife and and all that sort of thing and so it's like they're constantly having to converse through text even though she's standing there right in the room with him yeah and it's like okay the guy can't talk but he can still like hear you yeah. and gesture to you and things like that and it's just like it, the movie makes no effort to like conceal or make its gimmick organic yeah it's just like Absolutely. it feels like somebody said at the start this is this has got to be a no dialogue movie and then yep. just like had to scrape together a plot for an action movie with yeah. no, no dialogue it, um absolutely so yeah, it did yeah. not work for me no me neither yeah. and it reminded me in terms of the gimmick it reminded me of another movie that came out this year no one will save you it was on hulu oh yeah um we reviewed it in episode 398 of the podcast but um that is a movie that took it, it had a concept where also it was no dialogue it, the the concept okay, was yeah. no one spoke in it that's like an alien invasion movie, or yeah. like an abduction movie yeah uh yeah yeah kind of a home invasion alien invasion thing it's very heavily um inspired by a specific twilight zone episode but even then like like when you have it like there are ways to make that gimmick work well if yes. it is organic to the story and like in both cases of no one will save save you and um in in silent night it just feels like you said like it's straining it it's straining the concept and doesn't really um it 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 kind of it it hinders any chance of characterization um in particular like like they they sidestep it well enough with the with uh his wife um, in their relationship and everything. But then you have like Kid Cudi is in the movie and like, it's, it's kind of a bump. Like he's like literally just by default, he's given nothing, <laughs> like nothing yeah. at all. And I don't yeah. think there's enough strength in the, in the material for him to put any like emotion in the body language of the performance No, for it to like, detect anything. Yeah, I don't. It's it's a film that's short, not only on text but also subtext. Yes, um, yes. and so the, I can just imagine the nightmare that it would have been for any of the actors, besides maybe Kinnaman, to try and yeah. mine the script for any sort right. of material to play with. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think 
Petty comes across as just a doofus in that, just a total square in this. Yeah. And I don't know that that's his fault. Um, no. It's just like, he's also dressed like Jake from State Farm. <laughs> like, like He's wearing like these tight khakis and uh, yes. like a puffy vest or like a sweater or a track jacket or something and a button-up mm. shirt. And it's like, why are you in business casual? Like, <laughs> right. I get that he's like a cop or a detective yeah. or something, but like he looks like a nerd. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And he's not supposed to be a nerd. He's supposed to be like the guy who comes and saves the day or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I yeah. Mean, again, like if I were to, you know, throw this movie a bone, I would say that Kinnaman embodies this character well. You know, mm. it's a very physical role and he, he, emotes very physically in the film yeah. his character is one that's dealing constantly in extreme emotions mm-hmm. and so he's 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 dialed up to 10 the whole time i just don't think that the the script or even Wu's direction really gives him enough to chew on no. um, so he's kind of just an angry asshole the whole time but yeah you know it's like john wick is an angry asshole right but he's compelling because you you the film takes the necessary time and puts the emphasis on the necessary moments to get you on board with whatever's going on with him. And also he's exactly. surrounded by likable characters who yeah. like him. Um, and in this Kinnaman's not likable and nobody he knows is likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, the only person who's sympathetic in the film is his wife. Right. And she's gone. She's gone. You know, <laughs> yeah. Third of the way into the movie because he's mm-hmm. an asshole. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Oh yeah. Um, it's just so, there's yeah. yeah it 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 just didn't work for me. The and like I kind of talked about earlier, like the the action worked pretty well for me. Like bad John Woo is still <laughs> decent John Woo from my limited experience with his work. Um, it's just there was just uh, I don't know. It was just it was kind of a, a nothing burger for me um yeah um and you're a you're a more generous man than i in terms of the <laughs> uh the action here yeah. i was not i think maybe 10 or 15 years ago i would have looked at the and i don't mean my age 10 or 15 oh sure years yeah. ago, <laughs> i was like a child but um <laughs> if i were me now in 2010 Mm -hmm. 2008 or something and i saw this movie and it was exactly like it is now i would be a lot more impressed with the action Mm -hmm. um it is very uh scrappy and kinetic like the Mm -hmm. camera is moving the whole time kind of keeping you going with the momentum of the fight um it just feels to me like a very uh i think in my like letterbox review i called it like post wick era piddling where it it (laughs) feels like there are a lot of movies that have come out since the first john wick that are kind of they're not necessarily doing john wick but they're Mm -hmm. kind of they're aping a lot of similar visual styles that like um chad stahelski kind of i don't know if he pioneered but but Mm -hmm. popularized with those movies um and kind of merging ranged and close quarters combat with like the sort of sort of gun foo mm. thing. Um, and there's just been a lot of that for the last decade. Um, often shot in like really mundane, gritty urban interiors. Yeah. Um, a lot of like 
hallway fights and stairway fights have mm -hmm. become very popular. And I, you know, I like the daredevil Netflix show as much as the next <laughs> yeah. guy, but like we, we kind of did that. And like, you know, unless you're an old boy or that first uh, yeah. hallway scene in daredevil, like maybe find a new trick. And it right. feels like this movie is kind of constantly employing tricks. I've seen like half a dozen times in the mm -hmm. last decade and it isn't doing them even as memorably as yeah. those other movies doing it. So I, I yeah, I found myself not being very forgiving, even though it was mm -hmm. like, yes, this is technically complex. And like, mm -hmm. I can look at it and see it's cool that they did that. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish I hadn't seen a dozen other movies do that <laughs> right. exact same thing better before watching this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think maybe just it coming from John Woo mm -hmm. uh, also kind of soured that for me. You know, if if, if yeah. this had been a first time filmmaker or something, yeah. you know, like a first Hollywood, uh, somebody getting their first Hollywood shot and they're like, okay, let's do this scrappy, wild, stupid, crazy action movie. I would have been like, you know what, kid? Keep trying. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a solid start. Keep yeah. going, you'll get it. Um, but just for it to be Wu, who's got, what, 30 years of, 20 or 30 years of action under his belt and different mm -hmm. kinds of action, too. Because, like, again, American Wu is this very, like, bombastic, mm -hmm. showy, slow motion, melodramatic action. Classic Wu is a little bit more scrappy and uh, creative and close quarters and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And this just kind of felt like it was not hitting any of the woo that I know or the woo that I look for mm -hmm. uh, and was just kind of falling back on very modern, already getting stale action conventions. That is totally fair. And I actually agree with you pretty much across the board. Um, my, like what I think my, thing was with getting kind of just getting attached to the to the action was mm -hmm. that it takes so long it is excruciating Ugh. the build up toward the action like yeah i like it while is, it's something of a relief yes when the action starts happening like and, i'll definitely give you that <laughs> yeah like this was once the action happens i was just like i was thankful i was excited yeah. uh, like i was like this is this is john Woo's christmas present to me because i had to right. suffer through like all of this but like yeah. and I, I kept toying with like whoa what am i gonna like what maybe i'll say something snarky on letterbox like oh it's a, like it's it's really important to have goals and set goals for yourself because the entire movie is him just like it's it's procedures it it's process yeah. of him building up toward that and it's like okay but also when you don't have with the when the conceit of the movie is to not have any dialogue like you lose uh, most if not all of the just of of the procedure of it of learning the learning the stuff and yeah. you're seeing him learning and seeing him grow and seeing him put his plan into effect but it's it's it just feels it it's it takes the form of a montage an hour and 15 minute long montage yeah um and i yeah, I definitely agree with that. Although I will say, like, if it almost might have been more effective or the the silent or no dialogue aspect of it would have been less grating if it had maybe taken a more stylistic approach 
approach to narrative structure mm-hmm. almost more like a montage like if like take i don't know what's a good um uh maybe the like the opening sequence in up you know there's no oh, dialogue yeah. in that sequence <clears throat> totally different goal there you know that's right. an emotional you know type sort of thing but like you take that and it's like nobody they they don't say a word to each other the whole thing the whole time they're not even like really writing mm-hmm. notes to each other it's just like you're just getting these little kind of almost like you're a fly on the wall little vignettes of their yeah. life and like i think if this had done more of that where it's like instead of putting us in a situation with these characters where they need to say things to each other mm-hmm. show me glimpses of the life before yes. in a in a kind of choppy enough scrapbooky enough way mm-hmm. That there's that there would be no need for dialogue, even if this was a yeah. no dialogue movie. You could just cut right through it instead of making me sit for an hour through scenes that are texted or <laughs> scenes that are two people staring at each other and waving their hands. Right. You know, it's like you could have just shown me like the drive by. Yeah. And then him weeping in the yard. Mm. And then, you know, in the hospital or whatever. And then a brief moment of them screaming at each other or getting in a fight and then she leaving. And then it's like, yeah, we didn't need to treat it like a normal movie. No. (laughs) If you're not making a normal movie, don't shoot it and edit it like a normal movie. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. And make it animated because it worked for Pixar too. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if this bloodbath was (laughs) animated in the style of up. It would honestly, it would be something unique and interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then also kind of to that point, the the weird structure at the beginning, like the mm-hmm. the way it just it, like it starts in the middle, but in the middle starts, of the action. Yeah. And then it it's so long. Uh, like we know from like the trailer and from context clues like, oh, yeah, his son died. And yeah. that's what what kicked off everything. But like it's not until like like I don't know how long, but considerably into the movie where we see the flashback of that. Like tell it tell it in a linear fashion so that we can like latch on to the emotion. Don't make it a mystery for the audience. Yeah. When you're when you already have a gimmick that is restricting the way that information is told. Right. Well, and understand that, like, we we are not here mm-hmm. to find out how this happened to him. Yeah. We are here to see a no dialogue action film. Right. Exactly. So, like, don't, you know, piss around forever milking this sort of, like, how did we get here type of right. situation. And it also takes the kind of impact out of your premise because when in that opening, I think, is it in the opening scene? that we see how he lost his voice. Yeah. That's yeah. the way that the kind of opening ends yeah. opens right with that. Cool. You want to do the, like the drop us in the middle. It, what is that? End media res or whatever. Media res, um, yeah. Yeah. Y- I was going to say that, that, but I didn't cool. want to seem snooty. <laughs> <laughs> um, like do that. That's great. <laughs> but then they cut back to before that. And it's like, it's, if the if your if the gimmick of your movie is no dialogue, don't show me that gimmick and then take me back to before that gimmick. Yeah, but maintain the gimmick. Like you yeah, know, it takes like, us back to before he lost his voice, and yet yeah. there's still no dialogue before he lost his voice. It's like there should be some kind of contrast there. Yeah, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna start before he loses his voice, have the first five minutes of the movie have dialogue, right? And then he loses his voice, and the rest of the movie's silent. Absolutely. Like, 
you know? Absolutely. And like that, that kind of makes more sense as to why they did it that way. Because, because, because it is kind of like a a memory or flashback and like the opening scene is establishing that he loses his voice, but it's still like, it's so unneeded. Like just like Mm -hmm. it, uh, I don't know. It's at the expense of, of storytelling and a very flimsy story. Um, Yeah. I have to imagine he was, yeah, that was in the making of it. That probably felt like the, the meat Mm -hmm. of the film. And it was like, we have to have this in order for people to care. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just think the meat should have been cooked differently. I Um, agree. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) And really at the end of the day, it's like, you know, a movie like this, really the meat is the action. Like that's why we're showing up. John Woo's name is on it. Mm -hmm. People are going to die. Like lots of blood. That's why I'm here. So I doves flying all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Give me whatever premise you need to, to get the action rolling, but Mm -hmm. then like, uh, come on, let's do the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Not a lot positive to say about silent. Nope. I, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, we can kind of close down the review then. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting in like a year or two when I'm looking through the podcast and remember that this movie exists. Um, yeah, this is one that yeah. probably, yeah, after this season, mm-hmm. I will kind of, yeah, it'll fade into that vague spot where it's like somebody mentions it and then I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that. I saw that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> you mean the 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 David Harbor Santa yeah, right. Home Alone movie? <laughs> yeah. oh, that's Violent Night. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Well, that should do it for our review of Silent Night. I rated it two stars. What did you rate it again, Andy? One and a half. One and a half. Okay. Pretty close. Um, yeah. And, uh, and since we went so long with the nominee stuff, I'm not going to bother with a potpourri section, but I do want to thank you for joining me uh, tonight, Thanks Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And Doubly if, so. Ah, thank you. And uh, if you wouldn't mind telling people where they can find you, where they can, uh, you know, you know, uh, pitch your podcast to the podcast listeners here who should all... <laughs> already be listening to your show in addition to this uh but uh tell us where we can find you and what what you're working on yeah so the podcast is uh odd trilogies which i host with my good friend logan sowash um you can find us at well our like primary website is oddtrilogies.castos.com you can also find the podcast on like spotify and apple podcasts and google podcasts all that um and uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter as Odd Trilogies. Um, and then I a, I write for the Film Yap, um, mm-hmm. which is filmyap.substack.com, um, kind of an Indianapolis-based uh, review site. And I am also on uh, Letterboxd, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, letterboxd.com slash dandable. And that's probably where I kind of have my most, like, that Letterboxd is my Twitter uh, mm-hmm. I am, I am, I have a personal Twitter, uh, but I've kind of phased it out of my, my social media circuit. Smart. Um, I'm thinking about threads, but I'm also like, maybe I just don't need something like that in my life. Um, yeah, so feel- letterbox is kind yeah. of where I post my, you know, hot takes or goofy mm-hmm. blurbs or whatever. Cause I'm, cause I'm not 
I'm not tweeting with the kids these days. So. Yeah. With threads, I'm on threads and I okay. kind of feel like I'm not actively on threads all that much, but I kind of feel yeah. like threads is cool if you want Twitter with like five people. Because <laughs> ah. it is, it kind of seems like it. It's just not that active. And granted, I'm not an like active a, participant, so like a Twitter group chat, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, uh, once again, thank you for for joining me, and uh, I, I love what you're doing at Odd Trilogies. Um, I don't remember if I told you this or not, but I listened to your guys's VHS uh oh, episode yeah. and it was our halloween episode yes and you guys had mentioned like like there like toward the end the, there was a a bit of um uh a, a bit of discussion between you two where uh as to whether you should um do the other three the um uh, the kind oh, of yeah, revamp the newer, yeah yeah I would say definitely do um there's okay. some there's some good stuff like it like obviously uh, it, it's going to be better than VHS viral, obviously, but, um, but there's, there's some really good stuff in those, in those three and they're coming out with a new one. And I just love that. It's just kind of a yearly anthology. Uh, yeah. That's good now. to know. Thank you for, yeah. for that recommendation. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I love anthology stuff, at least in mm -hmm. concept. Um, you know, grew up on twilight zone mm. and black mirror is really fun. And, really fun. you know, I just love all that kinds of little, uh, uh, short form storytelling kind of strung mm -hmm. together under a, under a unifying theme. So um, I would love a VHS movie that's actually good. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we did, we did talk about it and I think probably at some point we will do the, do the more recent ones. Although nice. maybe by the time we do that, they'll have, four or five more of them so yeah <laughs> well regardless i look forward to everything you do anyway so uh yeah so excited uh excited to to chat with you and stuff and joe uh if you're listening to this yeah. section joe thank you for joining us earlier um peach, joe. yes uh, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, speaking of anthology stuff, check out my other podcast, uh, Anthology, uh, which is me covering the Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, all of those other kinds of shows. Uh, also check out Tower Junkies, um, which is me and Tiny just sharing our love of Stephen King. And, uh, and of course, uh, like I said at the top of the show, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. So if you uh, just want one place to get all three podcasts, uh, check, it us, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. I'm going to start playing us out. Um, and also check out the Patreon. Because uh, money. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Tons and tons of content. Uh, I have a blast doing it. And it's just like, uh, for context, I think I've recorded, I've released like 30 35 episodes of podcast this this year and i will end the year with about 150 some patreon exclusive recordings so keep that in mind wow. yeah uh and thank you guys for listening and i'll see you next week and now enjoy this short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed for the full clip and more exclusive patreon content such as early access to episodes TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. 
Thank you and enjoy. Um, maybe the intention is that, yes, maybe the reason why we don't see the family working through these issues and working through um, these these incidents and this tragedy that happens to them uh, at several different turns, maybe the reason we're not seeing that is because of Fritz and the way that he raised the kids and the way that he basically is emotionally distant and he, he just wants to drill into the drill into them. <clears throat> oh my God. Drill into them the importance of like wrestling. And, and like, that is the most important part of his life. Not like the mental health or the, or the physical health or, um, the actual parenting to the, to the kids. I think there's a read of that where that is the intention that that is what is being communicated to the audience through the movie, using these montages and using these like slight reactions to, um, to what happens in the movie. I think that that makes sense. And that is something that I think could be, um, respectable, but I don't think it is done in the, I don't think it's done in a, in an, uh, in an organic or successful way. And this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.